0: revenge Sylvester Stallone throwing boulders chopping down trees and running up mountains what
1: the fuck is he, is he some type of folk
2: hero or something <laughs> The cast includes Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley, Lucy Liu, Bruce Willis, Josh Hartnett, and Stanley Tucci. Yeah,
1: I love that guy. The <laughs> bygone vexation stands vivified and is vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vow shaving the violently voracious violation of villainy. The only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta held as a votive, not in vain, to one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. Well, that was. I'm sorry, that deserves an applause. Yeah. I. <sighs> Tucson,
2: I see your value now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that, Sam. Yes, there
3: is. An infallible way. They won. What's well, a casino. People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot. Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo.
1: What's the matter with you?
4: Maybe it was a love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space.
2: Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again?
3: The biggest regret of my life... I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? I don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica! Or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is! This is my job! This is how I pay the fucking rent!
2: The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security
1: check on Well. Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it, it gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter, fucking no.
3: dog has fucking papers.
4: Over the line! Huh?
3: I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line, that's a fall. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? <laughs>
0: Hey there, welcome into episode 31 of Film Tank. Whoa, whoa, 31. That's whoa. a big number. That's an odd number. If you turn it around, it's 13, which <gasps> we've already done. Boom. Wow, that's uh,
2: that's amazing. That is math right there for you. I don't know if it's math. I I don't know if it's math. <laughs> that's not math. Yeah, it is. It's either I, math or science. I don't think it's either. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my god. It's, num- it's, it's numbers, so it's, it's math it's or science. It's more
2: like uh, incoherent rambling. <laughs> we went
1: to college. <laughs>
0: Shh, don't say anything bad about Aurora University. <laughs> ne- never. Well, then, Anyways, uh, my mother
2: taught me if I had nothing nice to say, I won't talk at all.
0: <laughs> and you are silent right now, so there you go. Uh, I am Alex Diegman and uh, Nick Cheney and Suzanne Egan also here as uh, on this episode, which is our thirty-first. Uh, it will be our uh, third top six episode, as we'll be discussing our top six revenge films. <sighs> Revenge! Yes! I love the enthusiasm, Tucson. High five right there. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Gonna Why does he mine? get a
2: high five, but when I make my awesome jokes, I get a dead silence? Because your jokes
0: suck. If I had a cricket sound effect, it could, if, if I could figure out how to do sound effects, and we had a cricket sound effect, you would get a cricket sound effect most, most likely all the time.
2: Wow. Well, then it's a good thing you have no idea what you're doing over there. Oh, fuck
1: you. Anyway.
2: I'm crying right now. Aww. Let me wipe away the tears. <laughs> I love how we're reach.
0: we're we're being sarcastic and and doing kind of somewhat fun things and like Nick is seriously reaching across the table like trying oh, yeah. to wipe the fake tears off
2: my face. We we, we mean everything we say here. Yeah, like, guess, we would so. never lie to our listeners.
0: No, never. no. We're not that kind of crowd. So anyways, uh again, top six revenge films. We had kind of a criteria for this is it's not necessarily your favorite out of those films in terms of the overall film but your favorite revenge storyline in those films so these could be films that we think aren't the best films necessarily but we love the storyline and we yeah. love the execution of it yeah so i i don't i don't necessarily think that any of us will have films that we hate on this list but um no i mean for
2: me like i almost love all the films on my list. It's just like my number three is one of my all-time favorite films, but none of the other films on the list is like one that I consider like an all-time classic. Right. But it's just how they deal with revenge.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's, uh, I think, a a good explanation of what we're going to be doing here uh, we do have uh, a one person who sent in a list, so we will uh, get to her list uh, a little bit later on when we're doing our list, but uh, I want to start off uh, by doing something we didn't get to on our other top six episodes, which was Honorable Mentions. I guess we did get to it a little bit on the superhero episode, but uh, I wanted to have kind of a, a small official segment about that, uh, as I had a couple uh, films I wanted to mention, and uh, we'll see, maybe some of them will get brought up by uh, other hosts uh, later on the show. Uh, The couple I wanted to mention, uh, one of them was actually a a very recent film, and that was this year's The Gift, Ah. which, um, without saying too much about it, because uh, I don't want to really spoil, since it is a relatively
1: new film. You kind of did spoil it for me now. Why? Well, then I'm able to, like... Fill in the blanks of, like, what the gift is supposed to be about. Nah, man. Okay. It'll be good. All there's right. a little more to it.
2: Yeah, it's... They're, they're... It's not like the climax is just somebody screaming, revenge! REVENGE! is your gift. Yeah. And, then just, <laughs> and credits. I mean, there's a little more. What's in the box? Revenge.
0: What's in the box? Revenge. Not a head or anything. So, <laughs> this film, I don't want to talk too much more about it. I just want to say I thought it was a fantastic film, and the revenge storyline done in this film is also done very well uh i guess i'll mention two more another film that i wanted to mention another recent film is john wick which uh boy is a great revenge (laughs) film that is just a lot of fun going along for a ride and also the revenge storyline although it's not like a great storyline throughout but kind of the point of the film uh it makes the uh action a lot more fun at least it did for me and then uh one film that I wanted to uh mention uh that is uh, a little bit older I guess now is um Gladiator which uh, actually was a, a best picture film and um I I just like the uh the kind of back and forth storyline that uh they're trying to go against each other even though it's kind of revenge for different reasons than they're actually getting revenge for. Uh, I do like the storyline in that film and I'm surprised it won best picture still kind of boggles my mind is I don't think it's one of those that it it won for being this over the top sort of Ridley Scott lifetime achievement award, best picture. But Hmm. I, um, I I really do like the storyline in there and I uh, like the, uh, the revenge between uh, the two main characters, Maximus and whatever Joaquin Phoenix's character's name is.
2: Yeah, i really quick to go off of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I The Gift would be one of my honorable mentions because I almost did uh, include it. Um, but uh, as for um, – what am going to say? One of the great things about The Gift, without spoiling or whatever, is yeah. I think out of all of the films that we might be talking about today, it's one of the best jobs at portraying how the lines are blurred between somebody getting revenge and the person that deserves it as far as, like, you know, who uh, – Who's the real villain in the story? Because I think it does a, like, a, yeah, just without getting too specific. It's, yeah. it's hard to talk about, but yeah. it's a very uh, non black and white film because by the end, it, you could really kind of go down on either person's side as to, like, who's the worst person in the scenario. So I, mm-hmm. I like that aspect a lot. Awesome. Did you have any more honor roll mentions you wanted to? One that I was going to bring up was uh, Old Boy. Okay. Because it did not make my list, and it almost did. I know. It, Tucson's giving me a look here. Um, wish, I was
1: almost certain that was going to make your list.
2: It No, it, it didn't. So I won't say too much about it other than the only reason why it didn't make my personal list is because I feel like every time I watch Old oh Boy, I don't. Think about the revenge component as much as I just think about the like harrowing character study that's happening at the forefront so much. So mm. that's the only reason why it just like it didn't make my list per se, even though I might like it more than some of the films on my list. So.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't even include it in my honorable bunches list simply because I've only seen it once. Yeah. Uh, and it's you gotta see a, it twice. I think so, yeah. and I, I'd like to see it again. I, I, I remember. Me and Nick were talking about going to see that fucking Spike Lee, Spike Lee Josh Brolin business in the Fuck theater, that. and we didn't go see it, and I still haven't seen it, and I plan on never seeing it. But um, yeah, Old Boy is a great film, and yeah, the the um, the end of the film is very thought provoking, mm-hmm. and it also uh, definitely gets involved with the uh, the whole revenge storyline, and it kind of changes your perspective on it. And we talked about yeah. that with The Gift, where you've kind of changed your perspective on revenge a couple times throughout the film, I
2: actually think, and I feel like the same way in Old Boy. Yeah. yeah, and I guess to really quickly sum it up as far as why I didn't include it, was also the more I think about Old Boy, the more, like, I don't think the revenge component for me comes up, really, until the last half hour, because it's more about, uh, what's-his-name's story of, like, uh, ex- not exiting, but getting out of the clutches of this psycho, and yeah. then once he gets back into the gravity, you know, pulled back into that... Uh, universe. That's when the revenge, like the nature of revenge, becomes apparent. So mm. it's just not something that dominates the plot. It's also why, really quickly, to name another honorable mention, I didn't include something like Django Unchained uh, on my list because
1: I'm even more surprised by that. Holy <laughs> shit! What?
2: I mean, that's a film I love, but I don't. When I watch that, I think of it way more as just a straight up drama, and I, I don't. I think Django himself is too empowered throughout the entire film for mm. me to for me to think of it as something. Or at least what I like out of a revenge film. I appreciate it on a much different level, like because it's mostly it's more it's more of an exploitation film than it is revenge. Because I was yeah. gonna
0: say Django is not really necessarily getting revenge on right. Calvin
4: Candy. It's more
2: of a spiritual revenge. So that's why if somebody included them, or list, I totally understand. As yeah. far as like you know sins of the past, and now he's committing his own against the white people that have, you know whatever yeah. but it's not your typical you know this person did this to me or to somebody i know therefore i'm going to do this to them type it's revenge. not a
0: hit hit it over the head literal yeah. revenge story as i'm assuming right. some of our other picks will be right so
2: that's why that or like inglorious bastards because that's kind of similar as far as uh more of spiritual and historical revenge mm-hmm. uh, yeah just uh narrowly missed my list so those cool. are those are my honorable mentions cool
1: have anything to mention, Toussaint? Uh no. Okay. Good. But I would mention uh John Wick just because you just reminded me of that and that's a fucking awesome movie, but that didn't make my list. Cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh that was one that I, I was never actually going to make my list, that but puppy I puppy is so cute. Uh, ooh. What he is, I know, but he doesn't go
1: too well for him. So what, what,
2: what happens? I walked out of You'll the theater. You'll have to watch and the first... find out. Oh god,
1: that no. is one movie that my dad actually made me go see. That was actually fair. Well, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, well, like I mean, for like every. Did he have a stroke that day? Or? No, for every. <laughs> Shut up. For every ten. Wow. For every ten. Terrible films, there's at least, like, one good one. Well, that's nice. good. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> keeps you on your toes.
0: Hey, you know what? Bad in 100 is is good. Mm-hmm. Maybe try to get it above the Mendoza line next time. Get it over 200. God,
4: there you go.
0: So I guess I'll start us off with our top six uh, revenge films. Uh, and my number six... Uh, what? Guys laughing? About- I think he's laughing at my stroke joke. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was Which- pretty... <laughs> Yeah, pretty. <laughs> eh. not, not great. I, I appreciated it. Thank oh you. Oh, my God. You. I thought it was great. I'm going to watch about it later. They're
2: yeah. not all hits, but, you know, yeah. that's not going to stop me from throwing out the
0: pitches. You know what? That's, that is a good way to look at it. Yeah. It's a good way to live life. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> What's your number six, Alex? Uh, my number six uh, actually comes to us pretty recently. It's um, Iroh's recent film on the list. It comes from 2013. Uh, and actually, it was the uh, the magic film, Now You See Me, oh. 2013. Um, n- not necessarily my favorite film, even though I did very much enjoy it. And uh, I enjoy films like this, especially because they are meant to be more fun uh, necessarily than anything, even though there are some serious plot points. Uh, There is a story that tries to go somewhat deep, even though it really doesn't. I still feel like this is a really fun film. And also, uh, at the end, you find out a lot about uh, the different connections between the characters and also between the story, and uh, Revenge does become a major plot point at the end. And again, uh, kind of like with The Gift, since this is a recent film, I don't want to go too far into it, because really, if you know everything about the ending, it spoils the entire film. And... It's one of those movies that I, I think you can figure out what's happening uh, throughout the film, uh, at least, uh, you know, towards the end before they get to the big reveal. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's I don't think it's one of those films where you want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it. And, too, if you uh, if you would like to see it, uh, there is going to be a sequel coming out next year for this mm. film, which I, I thought now was surprising. Now from... see me. Well, Yeah. <laughs> There, it's, it's like called the second act or something like that. Oh, right? Like
2: a magic trick.
0: Well, <laughs> ah, look at you. Well, it was, it was a film that was a, I, I wouldn't say a necessarily a surprise hit. But it was made for, like, $35 million, and it ended up making $370 million globally. I'm going to ask
2: a question right now, okay. and I'm not kidding, just because I haven't seen it. So that's why I'm actually asking for clarification. <clears throat> okay. But there were quite a few magic movies that came out that year, like the Burt Wonderstone and whatnot. Is this, just so I remember, is this the one with, like, Dave Franco and, yeah. uh, like, with Iowa Woody Fisher. Harrelson, Isla Fisher. Okay.
0: just wanted to uh, make sure. Jesse Eisenberg I was and Martin Ruffalo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Michael Caine. Okay. Um, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thinking about twenty one. <laughs> I'm thinking about twenty one with <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, sorry. that's oh, a wow. totally different film. Yeah, it took place in Vegas, but I was just like, oh.
0: it did, and yeah. there was one scene from this film in Las Vegas. Yeah. So yeah. It, that was close. Of, yeah, yeah, there's a black guy in the movie. I mean, come on, now. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne and Morgan Freeman, are the same guy, right? No, no, not no. Not no. Not okay. Not. Anyways, uh, Now You See Me, number six on my list, and I really do enjoy the uh, the Revenge storyline. And I think uh, other people should check it out. And I'm going to talk more in depth about the other films on my list, but I, I want to keep that one somewhat brief because I, I still think it's too recent to spoil it on a top six episode, especially since the uh, storyline is you probably would want to yeah. not be spoiled on if you wanted to actually see it. So that was my number six, and let's move on to Toussaint's.
1: <coughs> okay, so my list is more of going to move from less focused on revenge sort of films to more revenge centric films just because it kind of took me a while to like nail down like some core like revenge films that I've seen before. It's like I'm just kind of like grasping at some of them, but my number six is uh the prestige, okay, okay. mostly because uh, I really enjoy the chemistry between Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and their roles as. Uh, Robert Angier and Alfred Borden, and seeing just how these two aspiring magi- like magicians, like started out sort of as colleagues and friends, and eventually that obsession just kind of like drives one of them to commit almost a unspeakable act against another, and in turn another unspeakable act towards them. Yeah, um, it's not really the main draw of like why I enjoy that film. I'm more drawn to like the the kind of sideline thematic critique of like science and mysticism and how there's kind of like a line between the two of them and how they kind of compel an audience to draw them forward in that. But revenge is a main propulsion behind all the events in that. And I think that it's just a very well-told story. And I think that you should definitely go see it if you haven't already. It's one Um, of my favorite films.
0: Even though I like personally like the dark Knight more, I think the prestige is Nolan's best film. Yeah. yeah, um, I know it's not worth talking about on this episode, yeah. but I just wanted to throw it out there that I, The procedure is a wonderful film that I think uh, anybody should check out. And the Revenge storyline, it it's obviously there yeah. as oh, it, yeah. it goes back and forth between the two characters. And it really is that's a back and forth story. Interesting,
2: yeah, because it's not just one person going after another for the whole running time. And it's, it's literally just two people trying to get the upper hand uh, every step of the way forward, which kind of that's what makes it i would say good for repeat viewing considering it is heavily reliant on a twist at the end of the film and yeah. if
1: you've seen the twist like it doesn't devalue the film it doesn't make yeah. it less enjoyable in fact it makes it even more enjoyable seeing how these these little hints at the, at it are just sprinkled out throughout the entire film
0: what are you talking about like the
1: uh, the birds
0: in the uh the opening scene with the uh rebecca hall's character in the yeah. kid
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, just like details like that, like you were able to appreciate more upon like second or even third or fourth viewings. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one of the Nolan films that I would say, I wouldn't say few necessarily because he's got like eight or nine films now, but it's one of the films that I feel like gets gets better with age mm-hmm. other than some of his other films, which are just like, uh not so sure about that. Mm-hmm. So I agree.
2: Very cool. Moving on to Nick and his number six. I'm so glad you asked. It is actually a movie that's already been brought up. Really? It is okay. called John Wick. Okay. Because I love John Wick. I, Hell <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, oh man, that was one of my favorite movies of last year. And part of that was because of how, I would say, simplified it took the revenge structure. Mm-hmm. It literally, the first 10 minutes set up, you know, why John Wick wants revenge, uh, But it just – I just think it does a great job at conveying, like, one of the reasons one would resort to revenge, which is literally they're left with no other options. Mm Because, I mean, if you have, you know, John Wick's character, his wife dies, and then she leaves him behind the most adorable beagle puppy. This is the
1: symbol of her love (laughs) for you.
2: (laughs) And then you have an asshole man-child come in, steal his car, and kill his dog. Literally the two only things – Uh, that he loves in this world because you saw him taking care of the dog because of what it means to the deceased wife and you saw him taking joy rides in his car like these are the only things that he can cling to uh, and like you know show affection for at
1: most he could have just stolen the car and not
3: killed his dog exactly it was just a fucking car just a fucking dog just a dog be When Ellen died, I lost everything Until that dog arrived on my doorstep A final gift for my wife In that moment, I received some semblance of hope An opportunity to grieve unalone And your son Took that from me Stole that from me KILLED THAT from ME! People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back! So you can either hand over your son, or you can die screaming alongside
2: him! But then what I love is that there's also a kind of a reversal because it's the the child. I, I call him a man-child because I forget his real name, but he really is like a baby. I love the really quick tangent. I love to see him when he's in like the hot tub and he's asking for another bottle and he just sounds like a baby because he's like, I want my bottle! And then he just splashes the water. <laughs> um, but what I love is that there's also a reversal of like what we normally expect from the, like let's say, antagonists of these kind of stories. Because he's a, uh, the, I forget who plays the... Uh, yeah, it's the guy who played
0: Blumquist in, uh, yeah. in the original the uh, Girl with the Dragon tattoo right. films. I
2: love that he's immediately scared of John Wick. It's not like, it's like, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't have done that. It was like, no, you shouldn't have done that, and now we're all going to fucking die. Because so it's kind of like it doesn't necessarily suck the tension out of this situation because it's still wonderfully shot, and, you know, there's some of the choreography of those action scenes that are just fantastic that it's just a treat to watch start to finish. But it doesn't play off of that, like, who's going to win. It's just kind of like every Everybody knows what this fatalistic outcome will be, and that's what's most terrifying of of it all. You've done fucked
0: up. You fucked up, kid. It's a weird, weird surreal atmosphere throughout the entire film because we're living, not that we're living in a world in that film that isn't the real world, but you're living in a universe that is almost completely unique to that film as a... Even the currency
2: that is used in the film. The hotel for assassins. Yes. Yes. The whole Uh, thing. Um, It's also... it, It pays homage. It has a... Uh, a connection to film history like the name of the club is The Red Circle which if you translate into French is Le Circle Rouge, which is the name of a French film by John Pierre Melvin from the 70s mm. that's a really good film and that also deals with uh, revenge in a way between cops and criminals but as far as like how the two get intertwined and trying to defeat each other type thing so it, it's really it's just a really fantastic film and uh, if somebody hasn't seen it because it stars Keanu Reeves or something like that <laughs> like seriously just get over yourself and go see because he's actually one of the best parts of the
1: movie. Get over the hurdle because this is actually like probably one of the best films he's been in in yeah. a very long time.
2: And one of the reasons is because of him, I think. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's great. And there are a lot of little supporting characters in this. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the main antagonist. I still don't remember his name. I know. Um, I know. Ian McShane makes an appearance in this film. It's
2: great. Lance Reddick as the uh, hotel concierge. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's just a fantastic who's who of character actors working. Willem
1: Dafoe and his creepy his creepy goblin face. Yeah. yeah. Even uh, Adriana
2: Powicki. Even if I don't think her character is that well developed, she's got a great kick-ass scene when uh, she's like kicking John Wick's ass in the hotel room and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that is uh, my number six, good and stuff. it's a good segue into uh, our guest list, which is by. Uh, one of our longtime uh, listeners, Caroline Decker, she decided to send in a list, and she also sent in little blurbs to actually explain her choices, Perfect. so we don't even have to like you know speak for her. Thank you, Caroline. Yeah. So her number six is a film called John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys do this? No, oh. no. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to read what she wrote, and this is in all caps. Not all of her blurbs, but this is how passionate she is about her explanation for John Wick. Uh, but I'm not going to shout. Uh, but her, Please don't. No, her explanation is, That monster m- murdered an adorable little puppy. You better believe I support Keanu Reeves killing his sorry ass after various epically choreographed, beautifully shot fight scenes of mob goon destruction that also happens to function as a master class in cinema world building. Fuck that guy. And I really don't think I could uh, express it better than that. I mean, that <laughs>
0: should have just been the tagline for the film. It would have been be, kind of long, but yeah, yeah. But no, I
2: think they could have fit it on the poster. Yeah.
0: Covered up Keanu
2: Reeves' face. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. There, there's unfortunately there's been more text on posters. So yes, there is. Yeah, like that poster for the uh, the visit. Oh boy, oh, fuck that. Yeah. 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 I don't know if we're gonna have any M Night Shyamalan films mentioned on this. Uh, yeah. this no, episode. it's not like the superhero list. <laughs> got the one, the I one was in. gonna yeah, say, Unbreakable. It. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Not joking, but but probably not this one or many other lists for that matter, unless
2: we're doing like top six worst top films six of shit. the last ten years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lady in the Water, number one and number two. <laughs> oh damn! Avatar: The Last ever been, You're number three, number four. Let's not talk about that. I
0: love how you can mention every one of his last five films and they are all horrible. They are.
4: It's,
2: it's you a, live that. I do. Hey, uh. you might want to like watch what you say because this is released to the public. And what if he decides to get revenge? No, not Hopefully. too worried about some guy whose first name is M. All right, so I'm not too
0: concerned <laughs> about it. I, I. But we were talking about this last week, Nick. That like it used to be for a couple of years. It was like, man, you know that last movie sucked. But I like Signs, and oh man, his last two sucked, But I still like Six Sense. And now it's just like. Last Airbender Lady in the Water The Happening I think Devil. it was After
1: Earth I think it was by like Lady in the Water that people stopped giving a shit and after Earth they didn't even put his name at the front <laughs> of that film I didn't even know he directed that that is true
0: yeah it's uh it, it all went downhill after The Village and most people that's the funny thing is most people thought that sucked but I look back and I was like boy that really wasn't that bad compared to the fucking shit he's been putting out since yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah.
0: great Moving on to number five and staying away from M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) for the rest of the episode. My number five is 2005's Sin City. Oh, shit. I was a fan of this film. I actually liked the sequel after I uh, dragged both of these schmucks to go see the, uh, the early showing. And we actually got to the theater 30 minutes early. Because I thought there would be a lot of people there. and we <laughs> You really, were we, wrong. We, we proceeded to be the only people in the theater that yeah. night, which was surprising. Uh, it, it wasn't surprising. It, it was <laughs> a good film. I was the one
2: who said, let's have another beer. Let's just stay here. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, what if uh, we... And I'm like, Alex. Okay. <laughs> you get, you at least get your had, Sin
0: City blinders off. You have to at least admit that it was a little surprising that the first showing of the second Sin it City film had nobody else it in It the wasn't theater. surprising to me. Come on, man. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, <laughs> it's a
2: sequel to a movie that that came I, out in two thousand like ten years ago, yeah. and right? And as if like nothing has passed since sound like it, just it doesn't surprise me. Okay, it
1: didn't have that cool theme song.
0: <laughs> by well, the cells. Yeah. Moving away from uh, a dame to kill for and back to the original Sin City uh, that was directed by Robert Rodriguez and uh, Quentin Tarantino had some directorial involvement in it. It's just a great story that moves throughout as. The overall arching theme of this film, basically, is revenge, uh, as there are all these different storylines involving Mickey Rourke's character, Marv, um, also Hardigan, played by Bruce Willis, is involved as he's uh, kind of looking after Nancy throughout the film and then gets involved with her, as also Marv does later on. Also, Clive Owen's character, Dwight, uh, and Benicio Del Toro's character, uh, all kinds of revenge happening throughout the film. And it's just a lot of fun um, to see the different kind of revenge that can get played out throughout it, as it's not all the same, like, oh, I want to get after this. It's, you know, some revenge that's not necessarily physical. It's, you know, want to mentally get revenge on him and and make things happen uh, that... Really, you're you're trying to do things that are going further beyond hurting somebody, which is a lot of what, what Sin City does. And I think that was really what made Sin City a really good film for me, even though obviously the visuals were great and seeing that kind of overlay was just awesome throughout the entire film. But at the same time... Seeing these different kind of stories play out throughout the film, even though they have the same overarching theme, is really what uh, keeps me intrigued every time I watch Sin City.
1: What would you say is your favorite revenge plot in Sin City, then?
0: uh, Every time, I still have to go back to uh, Marv um, getting back for uh, Goldie. Yeah. Because I I love that storyline. But I like... How far he has to go with all of the different characters as he goes back and murders uh, Elijah Wood's character. He has to fight Ninja Frodo.
4: So,
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. as
0: he tears his body totally up yeah. and uh, ties, I believe he ties his head, his neck, and his uh, the, r- the remainder of his torso and uh, chest to a tree mm-hmm. to have a dog eat him alive. Yeah. If you haven't seen the film, by the way, you're getting a very interesting analysis of one scene <laughs> of the film. But uh, that is very interesting. And then much more involvement from Marv uh, throughout there. Still going back uh, with Goldie as he, he goes even further into it. And uh, ultimately, which leads to his uh, his execution, even though he shows up again in the sequel. Yeah. Which makes no sense. But it's told out a chronological order. So. Well, it's, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. But anyways, um, I, I love that part. Um, I also... Uh, love, uh, the, the involvement with, uh, why am I blanking on the name right now? I'm sorry. There are so many characters in the film that I don't know why I, uh, didn't print out a thing because I'm looking back at every single there's character and there's just guy way too many at
1: the beginning from 40 days and 40 nights who plays as the assassin Josh Hart. I yeah. Packet. I like him. Yeah. I wish I, I wish there was more of him.
2: More of him, like more, like literally more of him, or like in more movies.
1: Well, I wish he was in more movies, and I also wish he was more in Sin City. Oh,
2: oh, uh,
0: the the other revenge that I was going to mention was the uh, the one that involves Nick Stahl's character, mm. who gets uh, his dick shot off early in the film because he's a rapist. <laughs> oh yeah, and the yellow bastard. He becomes the yellow bastard, yeah. and he is uh, attempting to rape Jessica Alba's character. And I, I I like that she stands her ground in that scene and does not give him the satisfaction he needs to, to get off, basically. And I, even though that's not like a revenge, necessarily, I feel like getting back at his character, who was such a horrible person, and now he spent his entire life, basically. And, and also, they've spent um, all the religion's money mm-hmm. getting his penis back, even though he's had to become a, a, a yellow M&M. Um <laughs> It's it's really weird, but I feel like getting revenge on his character and uh, he eventually getting getting killed later in the film, uh, I enjoy that, too. I mean, there's just so many little nuances to this film that make it great for me, and I, I just like the storylines that go throughout. What about you, Tucson? I, I know you're a fan of Sin City. I am. What, uh, what's your favorite revenge plot line?
1: I would have to say that my favorite re- re- revenge plot is Hardigan, just because okay. I feel like his... Every single, like, main character has their kind of, like, prototypical, like, voiceover for their mm-hmm. own storyline. I just enjoyed Bruce Willis's delivery because he's just, like, the battered cop who's just trying to do right after, like, failing somebody. And I just really enjoy his character. Um, one thing I wanted to mention when you mentioned The Yellow Bastard, you know that uh, Sin City is actually based off a comic book that was written by Frank Miller, right? I am aware of this. Okay, have you seen pictures of Frank Miller uh, recently? He actually kind of resembles the Yellow Bastard a little bit. He's a very scary-looking person. He is a very scary-looking individual,
0: yeah. He also has not done very well with film. No, he hasn't. After Sin City.
1: He hasn't done well with comic books Well, a long
0: time. I think he's he's got some things going on up in the old Batcave up there. And yeah. Uh,
1: I, I just I meant to mention him last week when we were talking about separating the, the art from the creator, because mm-hmm. he's got a lot of... Uh, He's got a lot of interesting opinions and a lot of interesting art.
0: But he, I, I feel like he gets, he's gotten to the point. If we're just going to jump back on that discussion really quickly, that it's affected his work. Yeah, definitely, majorly. Absolutely. And now yeah. you you can't separate them because it's no. there for you. So his
1: his uh just as a an aside to this, his newest comic that he actually just. uh uh, announced like over the summer is a sequel to the Dark Knight Returns called The Dark Knight Returns three, The Master Race. So uh <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. So uh oh, let's uh let's look forward to that.
0: Let's look forward to that guys. I don't see many uh films ahead for Frank Miller. I think his time in movie is probably done. Um, um if I'm surprised he got another chance after the spirit, but Rodriguez
1: is willing to vouch for him apparently so Yeah, Rodriguez also
0: might not have that many chances left either, so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll see about that. Moving on to Dusan and his number five.
1: Okay, my number five has already been mentioned here. Um, My number five is Django Unchained. Okay. Because I actually do... I, I, I will agree that it's more of... It, it's less of a revenge film as it is more of an uh, exploitation film. And
2: I was mostly saying as far as just what I respond to yeah. in the film. Yeah. So it's definitely a prominent theme.
1: I think the, uh, the first uh, half of the film when he's hunting after the, the brothers who basically took his wife and sold her into bondage. you were to
3: see any of these three gentlemen again, would you recognize them? Hey, stop talking to him like that. Like what? Like that. My good man, I'm simply trying to ascertain... Speaking, English, Goddammit. Everybody calm down. I'm simply a customer trying to conduct a transaction. I don't care. No sale. Now off with you. Don't be ridiculous. Of course they're for sale. Move it. My good man, did you simply get carried away with your dramatic gesture, or are you pointing your weapon at me with lethal intention?
4: Last chance, fancy pants. Oh,
1: very well. I really enjoyed him like dressing as like a, an old dandy, and then going to the plantation, and then it's like you let somebody dress you like that? No, I dressed myself. You chose to dress like that, and just like going and murdering those brothers, and like whipping one of them, and then shooting the other one in the heart. That was so fucking badass. Y'all want to see some shit? <laughs> want to see some shit? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that whole like you said that first half is mm-hmm. fantastic for that reason, as far as we get to see this character. Completely gain his agency mm-hmm. and do some pretty uh, radical things with it, and he also Quentin Tarantino, I would say, creates some of the most striking imagery, like the the blood on the cotton, you know, uh, to yeah, to kind of like further push shot. this, you know, uh, world of like revenge and that it has its place in this world, which is what's most fucked up about it.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: How about I know this is a smaller revenge moment in that film. How about Big Daddy attempting to get revenge and just getting shuffed in the face as the fucking whole caravan just explodes yeah. on the with entire... The by, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. with a tooth?
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah. God That's great, too, because at first, when they get to his plantation, I mean, he's very racist so it's not like he's like some kind of angel or something Mm -hmm. but he's like completely I would say uh, entertaining the thought of you know that Django is his valet you know he's very
1: genial at first and he's (laughs) like get them some lemonade
2: but I love that like the minute that they've left the plantation uh, it's just a complete 180 like it's just it's the same character now he's you know there's nobody in earshot that who will complain about his language, so to speak. So that's what makes that revenge even greater. Because just as you realize how horrible he is, that's also when they blow his ass up. So
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: good
1: stuff. Yep, yep. Anything so, else about Django? Nope. It's a great film for many reasons. Okay, that yeah. is true. That's only one of them. Yeah.
0: Nicholas's number five is my number five
2: is Leon the Professional. That Damn! Al- that
0: almost got mentioned on my on uh, your honorable mention. honorable mentions. Yeah. But Fucking love that. That
2: poem. is a great film. And like a virgin.
3: It, oh
4: boy. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's actually we're we're
2: laughing, but that's one of my favorite parts of not that part, but <laughs> one of my favorite like recurring things in that movie is that I, I do love movies that. Uh, Kind of, I would say, challenge our expectations of what relationships should look like. And are you talking? I don't about, mean that in a romantic sense, but just human to human interaction. Are you
1: talking about the the Netflix version or the international version? Oh, of, I, the, I watched the, the international
2: version. Okay. I didn't watch the or the theatrical U.S. version. Yeah, um, but I love that while this is happening, that almost weirdly makes the revenge uh component of it kind of poignant in my opinion like the fact that uh because it's gary ullman's character who's great in it by the way i just mm. i love his everyone everyone. in the uh, in the final whatever this is this great um but he's the one who ends up, yeah, you know, destroying uh, Natalie Portman's character's family. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this movie is that John Reno's character, uh, Leon, uh, is kind of dragged into this because of his affection for this child and not, in my opinion, in a gross way because he himself – you know rebuffs any weird things that uh, Natalie Portman character tries to grow up too fast and doing and whatnot but like it's it's truly like he's going out of his way because he's a lonely person I think himself and so it's not his that's what kind of makes this one of the outliers on my list and just in the revenge genre in general is that here's the person that is completely capable of committing revenge but he's only doing it really on somebody else's behalf it is in no way a benefit to himself there
0: There's also something to say about his character, and I I don't know if I've made this comparison, at least on the podcast before, I may have made it to you guys, between uh, Jean Reno's character and Leon the Professional and Tom Hardy's character, The Drop, Yeah, where they they have this kind of same thing going where it, it seems pretty clear that they're not the most educated people, and they actually may even not be all there, but they are extremely... They have that one skill set. Yes, they have that one skill set, as you just mentioned, and also they are very loyal to what they do. Yes. uh, And I, I feel like that's something that comes up in Land the Professional, and that's why the Revenge uh, storyline is so great because once he set his mind to it there's just no hugging no stopping. Yeah. I can totally
1: see that comparison.
2: For yeah. sure. And there's no real I would say contrived way of like how these two you know people got intertwined. It's not like they also then like murdered his puppy a la John Wigger or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it really is this I would say Weirdly ultra sweet center of what's a pretty barbaric uh, revenge story. As far as like he is a professional and that's uh, <laughs> that's what he's good at doing and that's that's what makes the whole thing so fucked up. But yet, yeah, just also really sweet. It's it's a, such a bizarre movie, especially if no, someone's never seen it and you try to explain to them like the central dynamic of this movie mm-hmm. and what these two characters mean to each other. You know, like on paper, yeah, it's 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 fucked up. It's a little weird, but at least I think. Casting Natalie Portman was perfect, and uh, John Reno is that perfect person as far as to just kind of be stoic and uh, not exactly react, uh, like, too much or whatever. That really sells it.
1: Now, his name escapes me, but I always think of him, like, because this—who directed this film? This is uh, Luke Besson. Every time I see Luke Besson, like, yeah. attached to something, I always think of Leon the Professional. Yeah. Like, I always feel like that's his prototypical film. Like, you should always, like, introduce somebody to
4: for, oh, yeah.
2: like— I mean, he did that. He did um, one of my favorite movies of uh, what was it last year or a couple of years ago? Yeah, Lucy, Lucy, which yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also did. Uh, he also takes a little few detours and he does stuff like the Fifth Element. That's the other mm-hmm. kind of side of Luke Besson. Um, but yeah, no, Leon the Professional is just, in my opinion, fantastic. And yeah, I guess uh, to sum it all up, one of the reasons why I. I'm highlighting it is because I like the idea that it's it's not getting revenge for your own sake, but for the betterment of, like, a community and, and in a way. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. So let's hear Caroline's uh, description of why Leon the Professional is her fifth movie on this list. That's
2: <laughs> very funny. So her number five is Leon the Pro- – no. <laughs> her number five is actually a movie called Point Blank from 1967 Okay. so Caroline says if anyone liked Payback with Mel Gibson watch this the original considering the time it was released the film is remarkably gritty and intense not to mention really well directed by John Borman it also boasts a very very good motive for the protagonist losing two kinds of booty to your best friend in the form of A. Riches from a heist you pull off together and B. Your wife (laughs) are pretty good for seeking retribution in parentheses she says I'm sorry but the pun had to be made
4: Mm. so
2: has anybody here seen point blank I have not no, I was going to say nearby. so, biased, so uh, well, I guess now we have a movie to go watch I was going to say
0: really not too much we can discuss about it either nope. but so, that's but. why we have these guests I'm interested in seeing it now yeah thank you Carolyn very good Uh, All right, moving on to number four, and uh, my number four on my list may have actually been uh, one spot higher, but it made too much sense to have this as my number four, so I did that. Fantastic four. It was not. (laughs) Unfortunately, sorry, it would have been fun to talk about um all of the fantastic four films actually um but actually my uh, number 4 is 1985's Rocky 4 ah. um this for me at least is the far and away best entry into the Rocky series mm-hmm. even better than the for some reason best picture winning Rocky 1 um but Rocky 4 just involves that great storyline of fucking enormous Ivan Drago murdering Apollo Creed in the ring and Rocky 4 Going back to the Soviet Union and getting his revenge and beating <laughs> Drago in the big fight on Christmas Day, nonetheless,
1: <laughs> I need to see this. You've never, never seen it. I've never seen oh, it. Oh my,
0: god. Oh it my is, god! It is. It is. Just, it is just terrific. Bad. Bad movie. It sounds fun. like a
2: very special episode of Rocky. Oh, it is special.
0: It oh, is. God. It is from all aspects not a good movie, but yeah. it is just. It is so damn entertaining. I mean, I would say
2: none of the Rocky movies are quote-unquote good, good movies, but they're all compulsively watchable in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Like, I don't really even like them, but because I grew up watching them because I had an older brother that loved them for some reason, mm-hmm. I think he just liked to hit things. But uh, <laughs> um, I do have an affection for them that I wouldn't had I not watched them when I was a child. Well,
0: and that's the, kind of the same thing for me, is I got introduced to in the Rocky movies at a shockingly young age. Yeah. And they always get run on, at least the first four, get run on marathons all the time. Uh, And... I, I w- okay. really like all of them. I even have a place in my heart for Rocky V, even though it's a really bad movie. Someone with, like, the street Fight, isn't it?
2: Yes. Kind of? Yeah, I remember that yes.
0: one. Yes, yeah. so with uh, Tommy Gunn, I yeah. believe is yeah. the character's name. I, I do like, actually, from the uh, the sixth Rocky movie, where the uh, the guy's nickname, I think his name is Mason Dixon, and his nickname yeah. is The Line. <laughs> that's right, yes. So fucking stupid. Don't cross yeah. me. Yeah. Well, it's the, the Mason Dixon line? Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> So Rocky Four, though, uh, just to, to get a little more involved in it, it really is the storyline that the Russian who is all roided out comes back and actually in a exhibition box, boxing match that's in the middle of like a a stage in Las Vegas, Nevada, like seriously murders Apollo Creed <laughs> with his hands and just says, "I beat him. If he dies, he dies." And then the next time we see him is in the ring, really. Uh, <laughs> Rocky is back in the Soviet Union fighting him and by overcoming all of the odds and defeating this fucking Incredible Hulk monster. Now,
2: it's been a while, so I have a question to ask. Okay. But um, does Ivan Draco... Rocky doesn't murder Ivan, right? No, in the ring. No. So this new movie, uh, Creed, maybe could have Creed's son come and murder Ivan Drago in a surprise last-minute twist.
0: I, I highly doubt it. I do not think... Uh, it would be kind of weird if he went over and like sad he's sack, still alive sad and sack Dolph Lundgren got, is sitting yeah. over there just like who the fuck are you and he just fucking his one him. appearance
2: from an episode of Chuck Residual they're still coming in and, uh, <laughs> yeah
0: oh god damn <laughs>
4: you're mean <laughs> I'm not mean I'm just <laughs> stating the
2: fact oh man uh
0: there are also multiple training montages in this film which are great and it, that involves oh uh, train training training like, like training to fight when you said train montages, <laughs> oh. I'm
2: picturing literal like Thomas
0: the <laughs> Tank Engine yeah. yeah I'm like that's really cute I gotta watch this again just watching a lot of metros just flying by the screen for like three straight minutes okay but no uh <laughs> the training montages
3: <laughs> this is
0: actually uh Fun fact: the only film in the Rocky series that does not feature that. What oh, the fuck? I know, right? It's the it's the main song. Well, what then
2: is it a real Rocky movie? Yes, it's I the mean, best it's, one. If, if the tree falls, you know. You hey, really hear the stuff.
0: tree falls. That's perfect because that's what I was going to get to. There's a lot of uh, training, mo- training, fuck, training, training fucks, things. montages and fucks of uh, hey, Sylvester, yeah. Sylvester Stallone throwing boulders. Um, uh, chopping down trees, and running up mountains. What the
2: fuck is he? Some some type of folk hero or something? You've <laughs> never seen Rocky Balboa Train? I mean, that's what he does. He beats up on meat. He, uh, he runs up the stairs of courthouses. And <laughs> he,
0: he also is staying in the middle of nowhere in uh, uh, the yeah. Soviet Union, where that's there right. is also uh it, it is somehow minus 40 degrees yet it is still snowing every day mm-hmm. uh so i don't know how that works out scientifically but yeah there is the great moment at the end of the uh the last training montage when rocky runs to the top Choo-choo. of this this mountain and just screams <laughs> and he screams like six times and the, there's a helicopter obviously getting the shot of him as it's just going around in a circle it is just fucking delightful wow Just wow. like this movie, it's a lot of fun, and as you may have guessed by uh, this film, and it's fucking from 1985, so we can mention it now, yeah, Rocky gets his revenge, he beats yeah. Drago, and the U.S. beats Soviet Union because, you know what, <laughs> fuck them. So, I think that
2: movie yeah. was a direct uh, you know, result of the Cold War. You know, We saw what, what power we had, and we're like, hey, let's give it all to Rocky. Yeah, well, they,
1: they
0: did it and he got it. So, boom.
1: Go. I got a question about that uh that overhead shot of him like screaming Drago. Can you actually see the shadow of the the helicopter? I don't I think they
0: got a little bit better than that, but <laughs> okay. I I didn't watch it leading I up wish to it this, happened. so I'd have to see. It's it's a lot of fun. It's okay. a, it's it's a good fun film. I think it's more fun than the earlier entries and it is ridiculous, but I enjoy it every time. And obviously a lot of that has to do with the uh, nostalgic feelings of watching it when I was younger, but okay. I like Rocky. I like the uh, Rocky Four film, and I like the storyline. So it is number four on my list. Let's move on to
1: Toussaint. All right. So my number four is Man on Fire.
0: Okay. By hey. Tony
1: Scott. Rest in peace. Uh, with Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning. I cannot stand Dakota Fanning. Just uh, just an aside, but I love uh, this film. I think that Denzel Washington is superb in it. I think that his role as Creasy, just this ex CIA operative who then becomes like a bodyguard to dakota fanning's character and she is then um at the center of a conspiracy of corrupt cops and mexican cartels that just kidnap her in order for her parents to give them money and then he just goes on a uh personal vendetta quest just to murder fuck everything and everyone that like took that little girl from him i thought it was intense i thought it was kind of sickening at times like especially when he uh kidnaps the one guy and like tapes his uh hands to the 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 wheel of the car and starts like cutting off his fingers Whoa. and like, pushing him off the uh the- it? No, I've never
0: seen oh, yeah. it. Oh, you've never I've seen, seen it? it?
1: Holy shit, you need to see this. This, okay. this is the bomb. It. Um yeah, I I just really enjoy the cinematography. I enjoy like the uh the saturated colors and like that kind of like that wash. It just feels very weird and sickening and and surreal. And yeah. it's a really good movie.
2: I've seen it and not only have I seen it but I forgot to mention that Caroline wrote down honorable mentions and Man on Fire was one of the ones she listed okay. so I completely just reminded myself of that. Awesome. Yeah, but it is a you know I watched it quite a bit when I was growing up cuz mm-hmm. I think I got it like out of one of those like you know buy 5 dollar, or by 5 movies for 20 bucks from Blockbuster type It's thing. one of those films, yeah. Yeah, but it I it it, it was an endlessly watchable for me when I was uh, I haven't seen it since then, but I have fond memories of it, mm-hmm. and uh, I do remember it taking the whole revenge plot pretty seriously for being like a what we normally see Denzel Washington do these days, as far as like like the Equalizer or whatever. Mm-hmm. It seemed a little bit more cut rate as far as like taking uh, the the violence and the, uh, the the motives a lot more. Uh, down to earth it doesn't
1: kid around that's a very weird film to look back on fondly fondly is not the word that i would (laughs) i would use to describe man on fire i like seeing people
2: get maimed (laughs) yeah
1: so So that's my uh that's my number four awesome yeah
2: well my number four is a little film or should i say two films called kill bill okay not picking one or the other that's fine um Uh, But, yeah, I mean, what hasn't already been said about Kill Bill, I'm not going to speak too much about it because everybody has seen it, but I I love Kill Bill. uh, It is the most, like, purest distillation, I think, of revenge and Quentin Tarantino's, uh, you know, over, so to speak. And um, I love the fact that Beatrix is not only just one of the definitive icons of the revenge genre, but she's also a female, like mm-hmm. only Quintino, uh, Quintino, Quintino, that should be his new nickname. I know. Man. I like to mix and
0: match Quintino. a bit.
2: fucking oh, Quintino. <laughs> I wear clocks now. What? <laughs> <laughs> only Quinten Tarantino, uh, <laughs> You know, would give us such an empowering uh, female character in such a, like, usually patriarchal uh, kind of genre. So mm-hmm. I love that about it. And not only that, but, like, it doesn't even short shrift that. Like, she might be the most badass person on my list because I just think of, like, all the things she <laughs> does. I mean, from the knife—the opening knife fight with the uh, Vivica A. Fox character <laughs> to the uh, fucking crazy 88s and all that. To so
1: one— one inch punching her way out of a coffin and dragging herself out of a grave
2: like everything that she does like it's just so wonderfully badass but also completely earned because like that backstory of what was done to her I'm not saying it makes it morally right but Mm -hmm. you know that's fucked up shit to uh, lose your husband your baby your whatever else Mm -hmm. uh, you know your wedding day ruined. Your white dress soaked in blood.
0: Tarantino usually does a very good job of giving you a reason to why this person is doing this. Exactly,
2: and that's and that's what I love about this. And that I also love. Uh, it's kind of sidestepping away from the revenge film, but it, a revenge plot I think would get pretty boring over a four-hour film like that. This is, but that's also Tarantino's. I would say uh gift is that he mixes so many genres that usually utilize revenge like uh like westerns and samurai films and he just kinda mix and matches in this uh four hour saga that that's why it all works for me.
1: What year did uh Kill Bill come out? Like
2: uh, now you're quizzing me, but I want to like say two thousand five
1: two thousand three, 2004. Well, I think yeah, I think it was before two thousand five. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah that makes a lot more sense. Looking actually.
1: back on that I feel like and I might be wrong about this and maybe you have a different opinion, but I feel like Kill Bill was, at least for me, the first time that Quentin Tarantino actually, like, popped up on my radar. Like, you could always, like, have, like, Pulp Fiction, yeah. which, which was a very critical...
2: 2003 and 2004. Were... Oh, okay. It was just yeah. a little bit before then, though. Yeah,
1: You could have Pulp Fiction, which was a very critically acclaimed film, but it was more of, like, a cult film. Mm-hmm. If, like, I think you can agree with that. Yeah. I feel like Kill Bill was his first, like real mainstream like stamp i mean people it's start what coming in he, to he see made
2: before them. he was allowed to make ingorious bastards and jangle and chains right, uh, so right. I, I completely understand that for sure and i think for good reason and the fact that he did it with a you know two volume film that mixes in so many cinematic references that even i don't get and uh you know and anime he, yeah and, and that's what i mean an anime like black and white whatever you can think of like i that's why I feel like this film is ultimately a success. And yet, at at its core, I mean, it's right there in my title. It's just a simple revenge film. I just need to see these two
0: movies again because I have always... Yes, who is that? <laughs> is that somebody... At the, is that Mr. Rogers? Mr. Oh, Rogers? I, what
4: are you doing here? I,
0: I, I don't know if we have time for this, so... That's your Mister Rogers' impression. That's for Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, okay. when the the guy comes when he gets like, uh, I love that too. That guy who was like working with the dinosaurs, he had like a whole show, and then he gets demoted to being the fucking mailman who shows up with <laughs> on a scripted show with somebody saying, "I don't know if we have enough time."
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but
0: yeah, Kill Bill, I need, I need to watch Kill Bill again because I. Along with Jackie Brown, they are my least favorite Tarantino films and I I can understand I Kill to...
2: Bill because I do think that it's style over substance, but it's such style that I fucking love and eat yeah. up. Jackie Brown, however, you're wrong about because that's a masterpiece and everybody should reevaluate it. So. We'll agree
0: to disagree. Oh really? Um, but I, I You just I, said you needed to rewatch it. I said Kill Bill. I did not say anything about oh, Jackie you said, Brown.
2: Well, you literally did say something about Jackie Brown. I
0: did. <laughs> I said that along with Jackie Brown. Well, that's what are I films, you meant by well, along with. I will watch Kill Bill one and two again uh, sometime soon. Jackie Brown. I was pretty recent on me watching oh, okay. that, and I'm I'm good on holding off on that for a while. Okay. And it, it's kind of like with you with Paul Thomas Anderson. Like I didn't hate it. It's just my least favorite of his films. That makes sense. So there we go. Caroline's number four. Well,
2: that's gotta bring it up see the problem is i'm going back and forth between
0: we have editing now so we can uh, cut that out
2: that's my list (laughs) wait that's not a list okay there we go nope that's not it
0: what you looking at there man nothing you're like looking at the budweiser label nope Have you ever seen one of these before yeah
2: is that a is that a budweiser you have there what do we have number 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 four four. yeah number four please all right you want to pitch it back to me so uh, let's hear what was on uh, Caroline's list at her number four. Her number four is a movie I've never seen before, but I've definitely heard of, so I'm curious to know if you guys have seen it. It's Lucky Number 11 I've
1: never seen it. Is that? never seen it. It's Lucky Number Eleven? Is Josh Hartnett in that? Yes, I believe so. Is okay. uh... Ryan Gosling in that. I haven't seen it, and so it's
2: been a while since it was released. Okay, uh, Alex can look up information about it uh, to actually refresh our memories. But she's she actually wrote quite a bit because she starts off by saying, "I probably need to defend this choice the most, so I'll write a little more about it." Full disclosure: this film is fairly convoluted. It relies heavily on exposition in certain scenes, and in some ways, it may be a little bit too cheeky and smart for its own good. But you know what? It is committed to its concept and ends up being so much fun in the process. Sleven so is basically a revenge film. Just quiet disguise as a quirky mashup of mobster and mistaken identity films. It doesn't shy away from the humor, something that's usually sorely lacking in the genre, often understandably so, mind you, but it's pretty refreshing to see nevertheless. The pacing is fast and the twists fly at a mile a minute, even if they're occasionally quite silly. The cast includes Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley, Lucy Liu, Bruce Willis, Josh Hartnett, and Stanley Tucci. Yeah,
0: I love that guy! (laughs) All of them play
2: their roles perfectly and are clearly having a darn good time doing so. Plus, it has a seriously cool final death scene. Bottom line, the film is entertaining as heck and embodies all the criteria I was looking for. Ergo, it gets my number four spot.
0: I think that is uh, two more Josh Hartnett mentions that we thought we were going to have on this episode. I know. <laughs> Whatever happened
2: to that guy? Actually, uh, I do know what happened. He's on the Showtime series Penny Dreadful right now.
0: He is with, uh, what's his Eva name? Ava Green. Green. Yeah. What's his name?
2: What? You said, what's his name? It sounded like.
0: I said, what's her name? No, oh, I thought you said his I would never confuse Ava Green with a uh, a male. She doesn't
2: really look like a man, does she? No, definitely not.
0: Um, but, yeah, that's what I guess what Josh Hartnett's up to. But I was thinking the same thing. He has not been in a lot of films recently
2: at all. I mean, we all fondly remember Hollywood Homicide with Josh Hartnett and Harrison Ford, I think. Sure, I love it. No i no, Not really? I've never no, seen that. Hollywood <laughs>
0: Homicide. I, do Just you remember that? I remember. I remember he was in that one film. uh the, the, the Black Dahlia Murder. I was in that, too. That also was not good. He's yet. in
2: quite a lot of films, actually, Like yeah. in, in that time when he was like still a thing.
0: Were any of them good? Or? Sin City was good. He was we're in that for about we're, three we're, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I really don't know anything else about Lucky Number Slevin,
2: though. It's I, a, it's I a cool I've name. I know I've seen it. It came out the same time as something else that I want to say was very similar to it, and I feel like it got overshadowed, but now I'm going to, like, it's stupid for me to even bring that up if I can't remember what the other film was, but it'll hit me maybe sometime during this episode, and I'll, ref- I'll remind you all.
0: We've all got three movies left, so hopefully it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll come to you, so there, there you go. go. So, yeah, we're halfway through this uh, top six episode. I guess this might be a good time to mention if if you had a top six revenge film uh, list that you would like to to get to us and have us read on a, another episode, you can always send that to us at FilmTankShow at com. And also, if you have a suggestion for what you think our next top six episode will be, and we'll probably have one in the next uh two or three months, you can always send that to uh, FilmTankShow at gmail.com as really, well.
2: Really quick, do you want me to your... really quickly mention the one other honorable mention that Caroline had on her list? Uh, oh, sure. That would be yes, a great please. time for that. Yeah, uh, She also mentions the Korean film The Man from Nowhere, and she said it's mm. likely on the professional but with much more copious amounts of blood and gore that just so happens to be in Korean.
4: Oh, and It's a film I've
2: been meaning to see for the longest time um and this is not a spoiler but uh, i have a funny story to tell about it later oh okay
0: well yeah. we will look forward to that there you yeah. go <laughs> moving on to my number 3 uh actually involves the aforementioned Stanley Tucci uh, as i'm i'm a big fan of his and he plays a minor role in 2002's road to perdition
1: uh, Ooh, yeah. I need to see that. you Ugh. never seen it? I really want to see Road to Perdition.
0: It's. Uh, I actually watched it for the first time in quite a while last year, and I actually liked liked it a little less than I uh, previously remember. Wow.
2: I know Nick was not a huge fan. It's not yeah. really your genre. It's I not you... my genre. I didn't hate it or anything like yeah. that, but no, it just didn't do, aside, aside from a few standout scenes.
0: Yeah, there were some weird choices in the film. I, we won't go too deep into it, but... I, I feel like Paul Newman was almost wasted in this film in his, his last role ever. It's like, uh, it's not, it's not bad, no. but I, I think for having him be there, I was kind of surprised that he just was not involved as much as I remembered him being
2: right. Also for anybody listening, just to kind of clarify this part is for some, uh, for people like us who are recording this podcast, part of its appeal was the fact that it was shot downtown Geneva. That's true. Part of true. it uh, was shot downtown Geneva in the old Geneva Hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so naturally, I remember when it was shooting there and, you know, like the movie set was set up. So that was half the reason why I even remember this film at all <laughs> and, like, go back to revisit it.
4: Yeah,
0: But this, uh, for me, getting on the, the actual story of the film, uh, this is a great revenge story that involves uh, Tom Hanks after his uh, wife and uh, young, youngest child are brutally murdered by someone who I actually did forget about was in this film. But he is, I think, the steam stealer, which is Daniel Craig in yep. an early role playing uh, a demented uh, child of uh, Paul Newman. I actually think it was a good casting choice because he actually kind of looks like him, too. Um, and this was you know pre-Bond days. So Daniel Craig working with Sam Mendes back then uh he's the the best part of the film but Tom Hanks who's the main character Michael Sullivan um really trying to uh get back at Daniel Craig and other people um for this 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 murder that he committed upon his family as Daniel Craig murders his wife and youngest child and uh Michael Sullivan played by Tom Hanks and his younger uh child uh, Michael Sullivan Jr uh, are on the road basically on the run while at the same time being on the run they're also uh, attempting to uh, steal The mob's money as they try to get them to give uh, Daniel Craig's name and just like with Boardwalk Empire which uh, is one of my favorite TV series of recent memory one that I actually watched the the full run of this does a, a really good job I think of mixing fiction with fact as we see characters like Al Capone. And I also mentioned uh, Stanley Tucci, who makes an appearance here as he plays a Frank Nitti. Uh, a, so real characters showing up in this film, but also fictitious characters uh, arriving
2: and kind of interweaving that story together. This was great. is, uh, I gotta, I can be completely wrong about this, but I just feel like I have to ask, was this based on a graphic novel? Road to Perdition.
0: Um, I, I don't believe so. I don't okay, then believe I don't know so. what
2: I'm thinking of. Then never mind. You can just forget I ever said that.
0: I do know that uh, this it might di- be. This did win uh, an Oscar actually for best cinematography. As Conrad Hall won uh, this Oscar after he uh, passed away, and it, it does a, a beautiful film. I don't think anybody would ever look at this and say, "Well, that looked like shit." <laughs> this is a great looking film, and that just the storyline of Tom Hanks going out and fucking shooting people with a Tommy gun and stealing my money from my banks uh, as he has all this know-how because he does start off as this is film as uh, Paul Newman's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so many great revenge storylines that are interweaved throughout, you know, st- smaller storylines. Daniel Craig really wanting to get revenge for basically being the forgotten child of Paul Newman, and he, you know, goes way too far and murders Tom Hanks' wife and child, which is crazy. What, what, are, you, what are you showing me here, man? Road it's to a prediction. comic? It is. It's a comic. Okay. So I was right. Huh. interesting. interesting. I, just, I
2: was trying to think, because I just I started to fester in my head. I remembered that being one of those, like, once I heard it, I didn't realize that it was based off of comics. Oh, well, yeah. cool. there
0: you go. Yeah. Actually, it was. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. The, uh, there was a graphic novel written by right. Max Allen Collins and yeah. Richard Piers Rayner. Oh, hmm. I guess I know what I'm talking about. I <laughs> guess I will shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, really quick though, uh, just a lot of fun in this film. I have great memories of watching this when I was in my teenage years. And and this really uh, was the start for me of really loving gangster films as that's become something that's become one of my favorite genres. I love Goodfellas, Casino, uh, name it. Most, uh, uh, Godfather, a lot of gangster films are some of my favorite. Godfather 3. Let's not... You know I, I keep I keep trying to get out from Godfather Three and it keeps pulling me back in, but not uh, really because that movie sucks it's well it doesn't suck. I actually thought it really isn't that bad, but comparatively it's 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 like Daniel Craig compared to Tom Hanks. It's uh, not quite there okay. <laughs> but Road to Perdition number three on my list, and if you haven't seen it, I would check it out it's a great film and it has a great revenge storyline. Moving on to
1: Tucson, okay, so my number three has already been mentioned. it is Kill Bill Volume One and
4: two
3: what. Willow said you weren't the best ladies he ever saw with an edge weapon. Fuck you, bitch. I know he didn't qualify that shit. So you can just kiss my motherfucking ass, Black Mamba. <laughs> Black Mamba. <laughs> I should have been motherfucking Black Mamba.
1: Weapon of choice? if you want to stick with your butcher knife, that's fine with me.
3: <gasps> Very funny, bitch. <laughs> Very funny! Bitch.
4: Not my intention to do this in front of you. For that, I'm sorry. But you can take my word for it. Your mother had it coming.
1: something that I thought was notable in this film, like two actors that I very much enjoy, uh, David Carradine and Michael Madsen. I love Michael Madsen's voice. I love his performance. I think that he's awesome as Bud. Uh, and David Carradine is... I I didn't really know who David Carradine was before Kill Bill, but afterwards I actually went back and like watched a couple episodes of Kung Fu, that old uh, show that he was a part of, and I can totally see why Quentin Tarantino chose him on the novelty of being the the eponymous Bill in this film. So I really enjoyed those actors. I enjoy this film. There's like, like Nick said, there's really not much more to talk about. Kill Bill. Other than you, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. If you have watched it, why not watch it again? So, yeah,
0: yeah. I need to watch it again. You watch both of them, so pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty watch much.
2: one first, and then watch the second one. Yeah,
0: probably a good idea to follow yeah. that order. And just yeah. some
2: people don't, you know, realize that kind of thing, but it's right there in the titles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy, one and
2: two. Well, should I go now? Mm-hmm. What are we on number three? We are. Well, my number three. <laughs> <laughs> my phone wouldn't unlock <sighs> Okay So what are we on now Number three Yes Alright well My number three Is a Christopher Nolan film Called <gasps> Memento Whoa. And that was one of those That like You know When when we first uh, Between ourselves uh, Decided that we were Going to do revenge films It didn't immediately Pop into my head But once I remembered it It's like one of the biggest revenge film, as far as like it it has to do with revenge almost through and through. Absolutely. But because of its structure it it kind of becomes uh, bogged down in so many other things that are great about the movie but that's what I love about this movie that because of its structure it, it shows almost the futileness of revenge you know it, to, to go after revenge is just to chase somebody else's ghost, you know, you're never gonna catch up, and it's just gonna be that never-ending labyrinth of thinking that it's going to be cathartic, and finding out that it's anything but, so, I mean Memento, I, it's well, that's another one of those films that it's like, it's what, what hasn't been said about Memento um, I know both of you have seen Memento, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's just fantastic, I love since I mean, it's obviously been out for a while so I can talk about some of the I, th- I think,
0: if I can mention really quickly, and, and this obviously helps the storyline out a lot as well, but I think one of the genius things about the film, and I, I think something with people who've never seen it awfully, um, they they have faulty information on it, is that it, the film that it, it goes backwards when in actuality... It, goes, it starts on opposite ends and meets yes. in the middle. And it, I honestly cannot think of a film that's ever tried anything like that or really pulled it off to the extent of yeah. Nolan's film that I have seen, at least. That's true.
2: And, the, and It, it just, is so thematically relevant because, like Roger Ebert points out, uh, A, if we are going in reverse, then we are just like Leonard's character because we can never remember what he just did just like he can't. Mm-hmm. And And B, it does set up that final twist, which is that... If especially if it's the first time you've seen it, you are just like Leonard, and you think that when you get to that end of the well, really at the middle of the timeline mm-hmm. that you have seen when he committed his revenge, and just like Leonard will learn, it was actually completely uh, unrelated to what he was doing, and yet he already did it, and he doesn't even remember that he did it, you know, years a uh, year ago or whatever. And
0: also too, I this has nothing to do with the film or whatever, but as many times as. We, as the audience, are able to hear Joe Pensilano saying,
1: Lenny!
4: (laughs) I think that's never enough. No, it's...
1: You don't like Joey Pants? No. What well, really? do you mean, like the actor or the character? I mean, I don't like the character.
4: Okay, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. the character is like I like
1: manipulative. him. Yeah, but I, um... oh, he's also Cyber Judas from Matrix. Yeah, yeah that guy. a lot of
2: stuff. But yeah. um, well, you know, bringing up uh, Lenny, one of the not Lenny, but uh, Teddy, <laughs> uh, um, and when he says Lenny, one of the things that I love is some of the character moments like that. And if you know anything about like uh, retrograde amnesia or whatever. Um, half the time there are certain triggers that can literally reset their mind like it doesn't always happen at the same time but if you you can kind of force it to happen if you do the right thing and one of those is to make a loud noise so if you notice Teddy will always make a loud noise whether it's him screaming Lenny or him slamming a door or him knocking on a window as loud as he can because he always wants to have the upper hand whenever he uh, runs into Leonard which is just like one of those little details that I you know it took me like the fourth time to really notice oh. you know like and that's one of the best things about the film is that despite the fact that there's a huge twist at the end you still get so much out of it the more you watch it
3: have I told you about Sammy Jenkins Mm, yeah I'm sick of hearing about the guy what about John G you think he's still here who Johnny G the guy you're looking for I mean that's why you haven't left town am I right maybe Leonard look you have to be very careful why the other day you mentioned that maybe somebody was trying to set you up get you to kill the wrong guy well I go on facts not recommendations but thank you Lenny You can't trust a man's life to your little notes and pictures. Why not? Because your notes could be unreliable. Memory's unreliable. Ah, please. No, 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 really. Memory's not perfect. It's not even that good. Ask the police. Eyewitness testimony is unreliable. The cops don't catch a killer by sitting around remembering stuff. Right. They collect facts. That's not what I'm saying. They make notes and they draw conclusions. Facts, not memories. That's how you investigate. I know. It's what I used to do. Look, memory can change the shape of a room. It can change the color of a car. And memories can be distorted. And they're irrelevant if you have the facts. You really want to get this guy, don't you? He killed my wife. He took away my fucking memory. He destroyed my ability to live. You living? Only for revenge.
0: It's just a great film overall. I mean, I don't right. really think this is really what got Nolan on the map, even though. Uh, the Dark Knight is what people remember. Memento right. really people, is what people started know. noticing, right? Like
2: and, critically, of course, that's when everybody noticed, uh, you know, Memento and Christopher Nolan. But it wasn't until he made Batman that, like, once we saw the you know the the promos for Inception, it was from the guy who made The Dark Knight. That's when people actually realized but his, his name. We talked
0: about cult films earlier. I mean, that Memento has made one of the you know bigger cult films so far of this millennium, just because. Of how much praise it has gotten back then, and how much praise it gets now, because people going back and seeing it and saying, "Holy shit, this is a really good movie Speaking and it's it's of. so so fucking original. You talk about watching Nolan films over again, and that's you know right there with the prestige for me in terms of watchability over and over and over again.
1: Speaking of Memento, uh, do either of you own the special edition of this DVD from Memento? <laughs> I did because t- fuck t- t- that DVD. T- t- I sold it
2: because yes, it is ridiculous. Oh my god, it <laughs> is I, not worth it just because it has the bonus feature of watching the film in chronological order. Which like why would you want to anyway? But uh, yeah, that whole DVD menu, which is set up to be like a mental institution test, where there are no actual like play movie, or you have to actually like answer questions that mean fuck nothing. That. It is the most confusing and convoluted thing ever. Yeah.
1: If I have to go online in order to read a walkthrough of a DVD yes. menu, <laughs> just to see how to press I'm play, I'm too fucking old, yes. or it's too fucking convoluted. Yes, I How, completely... how do I make the movie play? Yeah. Y- you
2: play. You press play. <laughs> I'm all for, like, you know, not to get out of tandem, but yeah. I'm all for, like, gimmicks like David Fincher putting the Never Been Kiss menu on the Fight Club DVD. Like, that's just funny and thematically relevant because of the whole Project Mayhem type thing. Mm-hmm. But, but, no, if you're if you're literally obstructing a viewer from watching <laughs> your film, then you've done something wrong. Yeah. But yeah, um, but no, M- memento's my number three, and I, I fucking love that movie. And that's that's the one I was referring to earlier. That's probably my favorite movie out of all the movies I'm going to name, uh, but it might not be the most, uh, I would say, uh, or my favorite look at Revenge itself. So Very good. Okay, so Caroline's number three, if I can, there we go is a film called The Limey, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Okay. And what she has to say is, watching Terrence Stamp and Peter Fonda face off here is just enthralling, and Soderbergh directs the film around them with effortless style. I could not agree more. Uh, Something else that sets it apart is his effective use of nonlinear storytelling, which is not a small feat, Given tidbits of background information about the main character, which is Stamps' character of Wilson, as it progresses. I found that this not only kept me on my toes, but made the enjoyment of his quest for revenge against the man who probably killed his daughter all the more simultaneously savory and bittersweet, because, spoiler alert, it turns out he was kind of a poopy father. (laughs) Perhaps this is his last chance to be there for his daughter in a way he never really was before. And, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Have you guys seen The Limey at all? Not I've yet. never seen no. it. It's, it's a great movie.
0: Okay. Duly noted. Perhaps I will uh, watch it sometime. Did I see that you uh, just watched that recently? I did. Okay, there you go. So had, had you seen it before or no? I have not, oh, no. Okay, very good. Moving on to <laughs> number two. <laughs> <The> number Spoilers. <laughs> Hey man, I just it was it was right there. I just I just wanted to say something about it. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Moving on to number two, uh, getting towards the top of our list. Uh, number two on my list uh, was already mentioned earlier on, and uh, it was one of the films that immediately popped in my head when I was uh, thinking about uh, doing this episode, and that is uh, 2006's *The Prestige*,
4: yeah. directed yeah. by
0: Christopher Nolan, who's gotten mentioned a lot so far on this episode. Yeah, uh, makes and, good movies. Yeah, the the this film is just so delightful from start to finish and it never gets old for me every time I put it in even though obviously knowing what happens at the end takes away from the film but this is just such a genius film for where the kind of reveals that happen throughout the film are honestly set up like the magic tricks like they're talking about in the film where you get revealed at the end and obviously it's really awesome when you find out kind of what the story is, but also you feel a little somewhat unsatisfied because now knowing the entire story, you're just like, Oh, this is just like a normal thing. This is just how these guys' lives were. This is just what they did every day where you thought there was going to be this big reveal. And obviously there is at the end of the film, but it's just when you find out actually what happened, this is just a, you know, these, these guys are just, living as people right. trying to make their way through their lives. And obviously it turned into this fucking insane rivalry that I, I also wanted to mention, cause I just did watch this film over uh, last night because I wanted to get to every single thing that they do to each other. That mm-hmm. is really a horrible, terrible thing that they probably should have been taken out and shot for. Yes, please. <laughs> so let's start off. Um, and also I did want to mention that uh, Rebecca Hall's character, uh, mentioning, uh, early on in the film when, uh, Christian Bale tells her how he does one of the magic tricks, and she says, oh, well, once you know, it's it's very obvious, which is very much true for everything in this film, where mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, of, of course, now that I know. Duh. <laughs> but this film starts off with uh, one of the magicians leading the other magician's wife to her death um, on one of the magicians shooting the other magician, uh, the one, of, one of the magicians breaking the other magician's audience members hands breaking the other magician's leg, stealing the other magician's, uh, girl, burying the other magician alive, driving the other magician's wife to suicide, framing the other magician for murder, which leads that magician to then get the death penalty and finally murdering the other magician. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Crazy shit happening that's terrible throughout the entire film. Uh, and also, speaking of uh, Scarlett Johansson's character, she says you two deserve each other uh, when speaking to, uh, I believe, it was Christian Bale's character. And she could not have been uh, more true. Because I think something, as you mentioned earlier, Toussaint, about the revenge in this film, is it kind of goes back and forth that you really don't know who the protagonist and the antagonist that's is in this really film. hard to see, yeah. And you really don't get a clear answer of who it is, even though we're kind of led to believe that Alfred Christian Bale's character is mm-hmm. basically the protagonist. He's he's not a very, you know, clean guy. No. no it's of, like,
2: how did this all start? It's a chicken or the egg type situation. Right. Yeah.
0: And he is really the one who started off this whole slog, if you want to take a, uh, a reference from Ocean's 13 for, <laughs> for some reason. But... Uh, we, we we see these two characters who are very flawed in terms of, and they're 1800s m- aspiring magicians. I mean, the, these are not the, the cleanest of people. They have lots of skeletons in our closet and uh, they just, for some reason are always trying to get revenge on the other while trying to outdo the other at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this film just does a great job weaving between the story. I mean, Yeah, it does get a little, if you watch it multiple times, it gets a little bit by the book, which Nolan films sometimes do. Like Inception, where it's like, all right, let's move on to this part of the film, and then we'll move to the next part of the film.
2: Let me get the dream manual out. Yeah, well, I think
0: this is a little bit tighter of a script than Inception was. Definitely.
2: But... Well, that's because it also has to be withholding about yeah. all this information as far as how magic trick works. Like, the Exception is literally explaining the, the, how the magic is working as you're watching it work. So Isn't that's it why, magic? That's why, that's, for me, that's the difference between these But two. if I shoot
0: these people, won't they die? No, 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 no. They're just <laughs> Those are just dreams. We thought of that. <laughs> no, actually, we put this line in because everyone's like, are you fucking killing people's brains? <laughs> Prestige is just a wonderful film and I, I really hope someday we do a full episode on it because I, I'd love to go even more in depth to it because it is one of my favorite films of all time. It is a lot of fun and I love how this film does a great job of marrying what the story of the film is and what the actual content uh, is trying to, to to go with, which is this is a film about magic mm-hmm. and the story plays out like a magic trick for the audience. And seeing this for the first time, I was, I was marveled by how this film plays out. And honestly too, even though it is still a terrific film every time I've seen it afterwards, it's still not as good when you, you know what the story is. You watch it, you like it for different reasons, mm-hmm. but I I really think that, it, you know, that's what they were going for. And there are so many small nuanced things in this film that are just great callbacks to other things that I just love. And it's just a great movie, but it's also a great revenge storyline as it moves throughout changing off hands between Alfred uh and um Angier and and it's just it's just awesome. I fucking love The Prestige. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. It was on your list too. I love it too, Definitely. Woo. It's
1: one of my favorite films too. We got to put it on the docket.
0: It's coming up sometime. Yeah. Maybe before the end of the year. We'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. Moving on to Desant and his number two on right. our top six revenge list. My
1: number two has been mentioned before. What, what a surprise. It is Old Boy. Hey, I've <laughs> heard of that. <laughs> when I first uh, saw Old Boy, I was actually in high school. And I wasn't really as a culture with like foreign films or even South Korean films at the time. And I remember being really revulsed by it. It was just like it, it was a very weird experience for me just to watch this almost grotesque like revenge film play out but also just with like the language barrier and just like the different types of aesthetic differences between like South Korean film and like American film, but actually having like recently like returned to it and seeing it subsequent times, like it actually is a very, very well made film. This so, is like, it just takes a little while to like warm up to it. And I just, I really enjoy, I enjoy everything about it. I enjoy the, the location. I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the acting. Um, that hallway fight scene is still to this day, like one of the best, Like choreographed fight scene, one shots ever. Like that's like a template. Like we refer to that um, fight scene, or we're talking about like authentic choreography, or even like something recently, like the uh, the Daredevil uh, series with like the dude.
0: It's like they're following. Honestly, it always feels like for me. Or always one time I've seen the film, but that scene just feels like you are playing a fucking serious, crazy game of Mario. because it follows that.
1: That slow moving to the right scene
0: it mm-hmm. doesn't change. All it's missing is do, 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 the fucking do, do,
1: do. like arrow from like uh, Streets of Fury. Go, it's like go on to the right. <laughs> that's yeah. all you need. But, that, but
0: that's really how that
2: scene plays out, and it is just fantastic. What's great about the choreography too is that it doesn't turn it into some kind of like everything we know about that character suggests that he shouldn't be some kind of martial arts master. Nah. But that's also what's great. Cause it is so choreographed well that we believe in his ability to like get out of a situation, but mm. only out of. The way that it's like I don't know even choreographed in the sense that it's just pure chaos. Like he he literally gets the shit kicked out of him just as much as you know he beats up the other people. He's just much more determined than they are.
1: He's just crazy enough to beat the shit out of this hallway full of people. Yeah. And like I really love the um and, and this is just like a minor note of like humor in this otherwise terrifying like I revenge. Th- I think it's
2: pretty much a black comedy.
1: Yeah, but like when when he he gets out yeah. of his. When he gets out of his cell and he sneaks upon the guy with a hammer and there's like this this bugs bunny like line where it's just like a dotted line from the hammer to the guy's head. I just thought that was hilarious. I love that <laughs> this,
2: is <laughs> yeah, this is where i'm gonna break it open, yeah this is where i'm gonna
1: break it open um yeah, this is pretty much one of the one of the prototypical like revenge films of like. 20th century you should see it it's really good yeah and it's not
2: just that like there's so much also going for this movie as far as like especially if it's the first time you're seeing it it's it's almost like a puzzle film because you don't know who's done this to him and for what reason and not only do you find out why it's way more fucked up than you ever thought it could be so Mm -hmm. it's really it pays off i think a situation that uh at first seemed rather I would not say unoriginal, but like we've seen that kind of thing like Saw or something before where you just abduct a person and put them in a room for no reason type thing and uh but it's just it has so much on its mind that it just saves for the very end. That that's what makes it so great too. So for me.
0: It is a uh a great final scene if you've seen it for the first time, which I've only seen it once, so yeah. the the last time was my first time seeing this film and I'm just like Oh, all right. Oh, I don't know how no. to feel okay. about this. I really didn't know how to feel about it, and <laughs> I, I, I was on board. But it was it was one of those things that you will definitely be thinking about after you watch the film. Yeah. So definitely, absolutely, good
2: stuff, Tucson. Nick, how about your number two? Well, my number two, because you spoiled it earlier, is the oh. limey Oh, you oh. just you just mentioned that. I was fine.
3: <laughs> how you doing, then? All right, are you? Now look, squire. You're the governor here, I can see that. I'm on your manor now, so there's no need to get your niggers in a twist. Whatever this bollocks is that's going down between you and that slag Valentine, it's got nothing to do with me. I couldn't care less, all right, mate? Let me explain you. When I was in prison, second time, uh, no, tell a lie, third stretch. Yeah, third, third. There was this screw what really had it in for me, and that geezer was top of my list. Two years after I got sprung, I sees him in on park. He's sitting on a bench feeding bloody pigeons. There was no one about. I could have gone up behind him and snapped his fucking neck. Wallop. But I left it. I could have nodded him, but I didn't. Because what I thought I wanted wasn't what I wanted. What I thought I was thinking about was something else. I didn't give a toss. It didn't matter, see? This berg on the bench wasn't worth my time. It meant sod all in the end. Because you've got to make a choice. Went to do something and went to let it go when it matters and when it don't. Bide your time. That's what prison teaches you, if nothing else. Bide your time and everything becomes clear and you can act accordingly. There's one thing I don't understand. The thing I don't understand is every motherfucking word you're saying.
2: Directed by Steven Soderbergh. I had only just watched it uh, this week. Cause that was one of the films that I had to make sure to get around to. since I've always been meaning to get around to. And it is directed by Steven Soderbergh. And if you know me, I'm a Soderbergh fanboy. Uh, and it was fantastic. It like pretty much blew my expectations out of the water. It is... Literally, the plot itself is so simple. It's just Terrence Stamps' character gets released from, like, a British prison, He's going back uh, to his, uh, I think, to the U.S., because he knows that his daughter was murdered, possibly. It's kind of left ambiguous whether it was just a car accident. Although, I will say this, by the end, you can pretty much say it wasn't. Uh, but, yeah, because now I'm remembering it now. But, anyway... um, at least throughout the whole film it's possible that she was murdered by this kind of uh crime lord play wonderfully by peter fonda for some weird reason he actually like surprised me like in ways that i just not because it's not like i didn't know that he was a good actor but like mm-hmm. just the character he plays is so weirdly uh different than uh his opposite which is Terrence stamp's characters Terrence stamp plays a very intense caricature you know like he he uh I would not say that there's not a lot of nuance, but he just kind of speaks everything, you know, as he's thinking it and just he's made a few words type kind of revenge kind of catalyst but peter fonda's uh antagonist is so weirdly like genuine about like everything he thinks and believes he's almost like calvin candy where he's hmm. this villain that's bought into his own doctrine of mm-hmm. like of you know this fucked up universe of his and so that's what made me way more fascinated by him and his character than i thought it was gonna be but one of the reasons why this film is one of my favorite revenge films of all time is because a i do love the non-linear storytelling and it's not non-linear in a way that's supposed to be tricky like memento or something like that it's non-linear in the sense that it's it's almost uh, elliptical and circular because it'll literally double back uh like you'll see it, they almost feel like visual echoes or something because you'll be having a conversation and all of a sudden you'll see the character who's speaking but their words uh their lips will not be moving and you'll be hearing the lines that they're speaking moments from then. And it'll do little things like that. And then it'll also do that in a bigger scale and it'll show you uh, scenes that are probably two to three scenes away interspliced in the current day scene. And it, to me, I thought that was very effective to A, create this very surreal environment of what it's like for him to be back in this world that he's not really a part of and just kind of like, you know, uh, shaken just to, you know, be on this journey. But also to just kind of further prove that revenge itself is something that's just never going to, you know end and it'll always kind of double back it's something that's literally tied up with something that happened in the past and motivates what you're going to do in the future type you know uh parable so that's i love the way it was told and i thought that was like literally perfect for it um and it's just it's just fantastic it's directed f- wonderfully by Soderbergh with the, the editing of the non-linear storytelling to also the color desaturation that he does love but here is honestly it might be his best work when it comes to that um and just terrific performances all along. What uh, uh? What year did this come out? Nineteen ninety nine. Okay, I believe. Uh, and it was right before he did Ocean. I want to say that's maybe. Was this before. also pre Traffic? Maybe it was pre Traffic too. It okay. was before he went on his like streak of like Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, and Ocean. Like, okay, I, think. I, I believe that's what it led into. That okay, if I can remember correctly, um. So yeah, it's just a fantastic film. And and there's also, there's one image toward the end, and I don't really consider this a spoiler, so I apologize in advance, but only because the plot is so incidental to this film. It's really about the mood and the atmosphere as to why you would like this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's an image of the main character, and somebody is stabbed him in the back with something i can't remember and to me that just kind of sums up revenge in a in a visual icon it, it's being stabbed in the back and not being able to get it back out with your hand because you can no matter how far you reach it's just out of reach and you're still going to bleed to death no matter how you know how much you reach for something like hmm. you know getting revenge and it just like that's kind of when the movie really crystallized for me um uh, just doing such a good job at uh just being a very simple short to uh revenge flick like there's there's not a lot about it that i would say is doing like uh i don't know original or something like that but because everybody is committed to like you know doing it to their best of their ability and just also to be kind of slightly off kilter it's got a a humor streak to it too that's uh really fun to watch so i was i was just gonna
0: say when you said um we were talking about that that it, that sounds like the most literal
2: thing ever. Like, oh, he just got stabbed in the back. I'm just like, well, that was, whoops. That's literally just a very small moment in what's the final act, because that's not even like he, just to spoil it, but he ended up the point out of his back. Like, it's okay. fine, whatever. But so, just so kinda, was it like, no, 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 that's not like the emotional stab you in the back climax and then of the movie, cut to the end. Credits. That's more of just like something that happens in the chaos okay, of gotcha. his final, you know, whatever. Um, but just seeing him literally trying to reach back there and grab it at first, like, that's to me just what sums up revenge and general like straining yourself to try and reach something that's just out of reach and even if you get it out you're still going to bleed to death like there's not there's not a good outcome out of any of this so uh, I, I love that movie so if you haven't seen the limey uh, it's fantastic and everybody involved is doing wonderful work on it hmm. I want another one of those that will have to be added to the list uh, that usually happens after these episodes <laughs> that's so. right so Caroline's number two let's hear it Caroline's number two is uh I'm going to guess the oldest film on all of our lists, possibly. It's The, uh, the Big Heat from 1953, oh, wow. which is a film noir by Fritz Lang, uh, which is, as per standard, highly awesome. Like most of the movies in that genre, its hero doesn't necessarily remain a beacon of all that is good and moral as it progresses, but Glenn Ford manages to firmly win you over in the end, despite his character's obvious flaws. Plot-wise, it's very basic. It's your cop-goes-rogue story, but it might actually be one of the very first ever made. Dirty Harry and Death Wish Owen big time. Something else I really enjoy is how it portrays the main female character as she is actually quite competent, primarily driven by her own agency, directly involved in the event chain and subverts the typical femme fatale role. It also has some fun noiry lines along with a very famous scene involving coffee. Hmm.
4: Hmm.
2: So that is one that's actually been on my list for the longest time.
0: I was going to say I've never seen it. So. Yeah,
2: yeah, It's uh, well, now we have a lot of films to watch. There yeah.
0: you go. Maybe even
2: some films we can watch
0: together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, little, making memories. Little film tank. movie uh, watching wow. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say like movie watching night, Uh-oh. but Pow Wow works too. I like, I like too. Pow-wow better. Okay. We'll I like we'll, Pow Wow we'll, too. We'll go with eh. Pow Wow then. Pow Wow. Pow Wow. It's from Reindeer Games actually. <laughs> I haven't hopefully. seen that. Have you seen that one? Nope. That's one that really doesn't need to be added to the list, uh, but it, it's a very interesting uh, film that involves the uh, the powwow safe, which these must honestly must be the dumbest criminals ever because they want to go rob a casino and they're like, well, I've heard these mentions of this powwow safe, and and they like break out of prison, I think, and and stage this whole this whole like break in and this whole robbery around to get into this powwow safe. And honestly, the ending that comes of this powwow safe is just Dennis Farina pulling two machine guns out of this powwow safe and shooting them. So that sounds really dumb. Reindeer games, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Way to go, Ben Affleck. <laughs> so with that, let's uh, let's move on to number one. As uh, we we've arrived at the at the top of the uh, top six revenge lists, and I guess I will start. Is uh, I've been. Uh, Doing this order, I'll go first, and uh, this was a very easy choice for me as we decided this, and it was uh the first movie that came to my mind, and it always stayed at number one, and it really never had any uh, competition to knock it down, and that is 2005's V for Vendetta. Ooh. Uh, easily on my list. Okay. Uh, number one, based on the uh, the graphic novel in the comic series, uh, starring Hugo Weaving as V, uh, and also Natalie Portman as E V. Shocking there. Yeah. Um, this, thematic. Wow. I know. Right. Holy shit. This is, I, it's like no one thought of it. This film, I remember it came out. It was in a early summer, maybe even late summer release. And I remember hearing about this film and thinking it sounded like the worst thing I had ever heard of. It sounded like a terrible idea. And I remember seeing this film for the first time and just thinking how fucking awesome was that? Yeah. It's a great film. And it it honestly features a very interesting revenge storyline between V and I mean it's ten years old now so I guess we could talk more about it but it was- it's
1: it's basically like a and it's based off a pre existing Alan Moore comic book which is actually very it's very different because it was made during the time of like you know the post like war in Iraq and so it's supposed to be kind of like a parallel to that in that this takes place in a totalitarian Great Britain. That I guess decided to take all of the um, what is the what what is the, the the lingo for that? They're kind of like the the unwanted people. They're sort of like the the well, LGBT community, the immigrants, yes. and anybody else that they just didn't want to have. Like the unmentionables were all corralled and experimented on. Um,
0: but, but they're experimented on, and, and this is crazy when you yeah. think about it, they were experimented on so they could find out a way to kill people better. Mm-hmm. And then from this experimentation, it is used by the government on their own people, so they would continue to elect them because they're the only ones who have the cure, which is yeah. a very interesting storyline. V is basically, who's played by Hugo Avian, I mentioned, is the, the one who, the, he's the one who leads to them finding out basically the... The um, the antidote. Finding yeah. out they the, made a the, superhuman
1: in in the process of creating a virus
0: right and he basically can survive almost anything which is how he basically becomes this superhero slash vigilante character Uh, and we we have a great scene of seeing him basically completely engulfed in flames and just totally just fucking just screaming just owning it owning that shit man because and and that's why we never see his face as uh, he has been burned horribly
3: more than 400 years ago a great citizen wished to embed the 5th of November forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. So if you've seen nothing, if the crimes of this government remain unknown to you, then I would suggest that you allow the 5th of November to pass unmarked. But if you see what I see, if you feel as I feel, and if you would seek as I seek, then I ask you to stand beside me one year from tonight, outside the gates of Parliament, and together we shall give them a Fifth of November that shall never, ever be forgotten.
0: He and Evie Hammond uh, basically are polar opposites of each other, but they ended up fighting for the same cause and going up against Great Britain. And man, the the revenge story is just dripping in this. As he is trying to get back at you know, the, the British government and the government who who basically did this to him. And also, in the storyline, they are trying to
1: get back at the government. He, he's a very uh, Phantom of the Opera-esque character in that he's very theatrical. One quick aside, just uh, a total nerd moment on my part. I actually... You know the uh, the... The speech that he gives Evie that has all the, the V alliteration. The vibratious villainy and that kind of shit. Yeah, I actually have that memorized. What is he
0: Lebanese naked? I have that. You have that memorized? I have that
1: memorized by heart. You,
0: you have let's, to, let's go. You, you have to let it go. No, you let's want go. me to do it now? Yep. Well, okay. you can't
1: just mention it. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Voila, in view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified, and is vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vow-shaving the violently voracious violation of villainy. The only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta, held as a votive, not in vain, to one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous.
2: I'm aroused. That was...
1: Verily, this vicious soiree uh, of beverage seems most verbose vis-a-vis in introduction, so it is my very great honor to meet you, and you may call me V. That
0: was... I'm sorry. That deserves an applause. Yeah.
2: I... Tussan, I see your value now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was... And that opening speech is just one one of the many things that I love about this film, because they... Used all of these words that have V in them and he would use them. And, and it so all ridiculous. makes sense. If yeah, you it actually does. look at it, it all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And you have that memorized. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I am wow. I'm honestly impressed. I, I, I'm so glad that I never brought this up and that totally just happened off the cuff. Cause that was great, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. I'm wow. That was terrific. Oh, thanks. But the, just like this film though, I mean this film, there's so many great parts to it. And so many things that I wish I could talk more about and we we're doing an episode like this because it's another one of those that I'd love to have a, a more opportunity to dig deeper into because um, there's so much into it about people taking back their rights from the government and revolting and really doing it in, in a way where, yeah, obviously they, they like blow up the parliament building at the end of the film. Yeah. But at the same time, the, the people are really just saying no we're not going to deal with this anymore in a way where where they're basically in numbers going to say you know going to do this where it's not like they're out shooting people or bombing people
1: even though there is obviously a lot of that with the in the comic like he was more of a anarchist and it was a l- lot more harder to make out whether he was a good guy or a bad guy i think like the movie skews more in kind of portraying him in more of a romantic light whereas like in the comic it's not really certain whether or not he's, like, virtuous, or is he just fucking insane?
0: He's a very angry person. He's for fucking
1: good... angry as fuck. You be too. I
0: mean, he it, he literally spends 20-something years planning for one day to happen. I yeah. mean... What it... day was that? The, the 5th of November.
2: Right? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to remember, remember. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. That's my contribution to this conversation. I was going to Because say... I haven't seen it in, like, years, Yeah, I remember nothing that's... about it. Totes, Other than Totes Five,
0: yeah. Well, it, that's a big day,
2: and it you know ropes back. So there you go. Here I can contribute this fun okay. fact: *V for Vendetta* was the first Blu-ray I ever bought. Oh, really? Wow. I'm yeah. su- really? I'm so It was a blind buy. Like I hadn't seen okay. it, and there was not that many options back when I was originally got my Blu-ray player, mm-hmm. uh, which was a while ago. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's how I saw it. Yeah.
0: I, I, um, one last thing I do want to mention is we, we talk about his, the romanticism of him. Mm-hmm. And actually, the romantic storyline between him and Evie is very unusual because he honestly is a horrible person now because these things have been done to him. Yeah. And he's, he's got no dick. Well, I don't know about that necessarily. But, but got he got burned off. Well, anyway, yeah. He's a, he's a bad person. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, you you could see he, there's value in the, the things he's trying to do. Yeah. And Evie falls in love with him as, as part of the story.
1: And, Stockholm Syndrome or something well, like that. Well,
0: yeah, there is some of that. Because there is that weird part where he kidnaps her and imprisons her and yeah. shaves her head off. And That's then, Stockholm that, Syndrome. That whole thing. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the film, after V gets you know pretty much shot up mm-hmm. a million times and yeah. is, is dying now... Uh, and basically the last thing that anyone ever says to him is Evie saying, I just don't want you to die. And V responds by saying, that's the most you know lovely thing you could have ever given me. As literally before this happens to him and after this happens to him, people are just trying to fucking kill him mm. to either get his DNA, either to see what kind of serum they can make from him or because he's trying to go against them and to have this person say, I, I want you to live. And that's basically the storyline of this is I want people want to live and basically have their freedom and also at the same time be able to make decisions on their own and not just be forced into crazy experiments by the government or you know other things that the government is trying to do. I'm not trying to like say things against, but in the, this film's case and what this film is trying to say, it does a great job. And also it is just glorious to see a train go and blow up parliament and with the theatrics of the having fireworks and music playing as the british parliament is exploding (laughs) um is is a a great scene to watch and it's uh just a a really uh great film and a really fun ride i
2: gotta admit like everything you're saying right now makes me want to go rewatch it because i remember almost nothing of what you're saying all i remember about the film was v taking in natalie portman and turning her into furioso i like guess that's, <laughs> like that's the only thing i can remember and yet there seems to be a lot more yeah, to I mean, it than i like remembered uh
0: there are a lot more storylines and uh hugo weaving this this is the film that made him one of my favorite working actors just because of the kind of range he has in this film as oh, yeah. he does play v but he plays a lot of other caricatures throughout the film. Whether it be literally or figuratively, uh, and it's uh he just does a great job and he's a wonderful actor. So fee mm-hmm. for Vim that's my number one. It was never going to be a doubt for me. It's a great revenge story and just a great film overall. Yeah.
1: Um For my number one, which has already been mentioned, all right, my number one is Memento. Wow, really? Yeah, it is. This is
2: just, like, surprising for some reason. Really? (laughs) Yeah, no, I just didn't think you liked it that much. I did,
1: I did. This is actually, um, just going back to that, like, this was actually the first Christopher Nolan film that I ever watched. Like, I had seen Batman Begins, but I only saw that on the pretense that it was a Batman film. I didn't know who Christopher (laughs) Nolan was, but this was the film that made me really pay attention to him, just, just because... I saw this like my senior year of high school when I was in some knockoff like cinema studies course that really everybody just took because it was a easy credit, but it really wasn't. Anyway. Uh Memento, I was absolutely enamored with that film just because I loved the structure of it. I loved the the theme of revenge and how it played out, but also also just because I was in love with the idea that I liked the film so much that I could not say that there was a single like reprehensible character like there no there was no not a redeemable character in that film everybody was a fucking asshole you you just had to like dig deep enough like every single person even like Carrie Ann Moss's character who at first seemed like a very sympathetic character ended up being manipulative on her own and Guy Pierce as Leonard as the main character like he's probably the most reprehensible character of them right. all.
2: I mean, that's the whole point as far as like toward the end of the movie is far why he wants to continue and forget is yeah. because he doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that, you know, if anybody should be put down at this point, it should probably be him because, yeah.
1: because of what he's been doing. He, he's basically a, he. he's, he's basically one of the most unpredictable serial killers ever in, in, in this fictional world because he's basically just like going around choosing whoever is leonard whoever's, whoever's going to be like whoever's uh john g who, whoever's john g he's going to yeah. choose a, whoever's going to be john g he's just going to go after them and make them the object of his of of his revenge and that's why
2: i love that uh that whole beginning of the movie slash ending of the timeline mm-hmm. is the uh what you know teddy's saying christ leonard i'm a john g you know like yeah it's just what are you doing if you're still what is the point of, quote-unquote, revenge, if this is how far you're going to take it? And not only that, but cognizantly take it. Because despite the fact that he may forget, you know, whatever, he does reach this point almost every time that he has the choice to either remind himself and make another tattoo that said, mission accomplished, or to completely leave out that part of the
1: Anybody story. could be John G. You're John G. You can be my John G. Like, that's the point where I was just like, you're absolutely, yes. totally full of shit. But just going back to like one thing in particular that I really loved about it just the the cinematography like that first scene where it shows like the the bullet casing like going in reverse and like popping back into the actual like barrel of the gun is yeah. just so fucking the, cool uh, and
2: also the 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 Polaroid going yes. from black and white to yes. color and whatnot. Yeah, the That's old, great. the
0: old literal like we're actually going to show the film going in reverse mm-hmm.
2: because yep. it will be going in reverse now. Yeah. and yeah, but again, choice. speaking of what you're talking about, Tucson as far as like reprehensible characters, Leonard's character also becomes even more reprehensible if you start to dig deep into is he Sammy Jenkins? Because if he is, then he's literally doing this just so that he won't remember what he did to his own wife. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: and and that's kind of where I wanted to go to when I was going to mention something about this. uh, Not even necessarily with the Revenge storyline, but just about Memento in general. That we're saying all these things about Leonard that uh, aren't necessarily... aren't necessarily showing him in, in the greatest light. Right. Um, but the Sammy Jenkins storyline, I think for me, is always the most fascinating part of the entire film just because we have this whole thing of him muttering on about the story, but right. and you know, at it, the it, end of the day it's probably actually him. Right. So. And that's what's
2: great. It's like at first it seemed like just one of these clinical detours that, you know, it's like an affectation that he literally forgets that he tells. And by the end of the film when they when Christopher Nolan lovely uh or I should say he starts to beautifully ambiguously start to intersplice uh sammy jake's like uh, behavior with leonard's own flashbacks that we had already seen previously mm-hmm. um like that's when i think the film becomes genius because then we truly i feel like it's way more than his most recent films he actually does leave it up to the audience to decide and yeah. even if sure if you want to say like the top not falling over in inception is his way of being ambiguous <laughs> that's just his way of being a cheat in my opinion yeah like here we're actually given a moral quandary to mm-hmm. wrestle with of whether we think that this man is capable of something like this or not, and therefore, what does that mean for you know this story of revenge? Is it is it all pointless? Is it all wrong in this uh, immoral universe or amoral universe? Like that's what I, I the, love to
1: pick apart. The Sammy Jenkins story basically functions at first as kind of like this. Uh, this parable story that he repeats him to himself is kind of like highlighting the dramatic irony of the fact that he would not believe this person who had the condition before him, but really it just becomes real. in in fact, it's just a dissociative personality that he's projecting onto right. somebody else who was faking. And now that just happens to wheel back into his own existence. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's a great film. It's, it's kind of waned on me in, in, Uh, recent years, just simply for the fact that I've seen it so many times that it's hard to like really come back to it. Like it's, it's a good film. An excellent film, nonetheless. And if you haven't seen it yet, then you definitely should see it's it. It's
2: also really randomly. It's also very funny. I'm
1: sorry, but like. Yeah, it is. Every time I rewatch it, I forget
2: about some of the jokes, like when he uh, kicks in the door of one of the hotel rooms and there's just a random person in there and who he just like completely knocked over. I mean, he looks and like the six fell over instead of a nine or whatever. And he's like, oh, sorry. I mean, he just goes to the next <laughs> door. You know, <laughs> little things like that that I feel like even no one doesn't really do these days anymore.
0: I feel like someday maybe, and in this maybe. 10 years down the road I think Nolan's going to go back and do a film like this that's a a much smaller budget film and it's just going to be almost like a passion project at some point I I could see him putting it on I could see it being very good all again I I hope hope so so.
2: yeah Yeah. okay why am I chasing this guy oh he's chasing me (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was awesome (laughs) that's great yeah Well, should I go on? Uh, Yes. It is your turn, so that would be a good time for it. Okay. My number one is a South Korean film called I Saw the Devil. Okay. Ooh, I've been meaning to see this. Oh, you haven't seen it? I need to see it. I thought you said last week that you had seen it. No, I haven't seen it. Can I
0: mention really quickly, both with Memento and with you, Nick, with I Saw the Devil, were, were these films ever in doubt with being
2: your number one, or were these always going to be the choice when you start putting this list together? This was, for me in doubt in the sense that it was what I was thinking of as my number one, but I'd only seen it one time, which is okay. why I rushed to make sure I watched it last night. And then I would say I would, like, wasn't completely sure until I watched it, but I didn't just become sure. I became like, wow, this was should never have been in doubt type of placement for me.
0: And really quick, what about you two, Saw with Memento? Was that always going to be your number one, or was it kind of wavering?
1: I feel like it was always wavering. There was It, it was actually kind of going to be neck and neck with Kill Bill for a time, and I kind of just like... Positioned my, my list a little bit differently, but mm-hmm. Memento was always a strong candidate for it. Very good.
0: All right, go ahead and talk uh, to us a little more about I Saw the Devil. Well, before I talk about the film
2: itself, uh, it's funny that Caroline has uh, The Man from Nowhere uh, as one of her honorable mentions because I accidentally bought. I saw the Devil at a Best Buy because I mistook it for The Man from Nowhere, like, <laughs> not title-wise obviously, but I had been I had heard about The Man from Nowhere and about its revenge thriller event. I read like you shouldn't read too much about it because it's kind of twisty or whatever. So, when I didn't read like nearly anything about it to the point where when I saw I saw the Devil, which I'd also heard about as another South Korean revenge film, I mistook that film for. The- <laughs> that film and accidentally bought it and then like after 10 minutes of watching i saw the devil it, it was kind of hilarious because it's such a brutally sadistic film i was like what the fuck am i watching uh but it was also a happy accident because it's also a fantastic film it's probably it's number 1 on my list primarily because of the fact that i feel like i think about every facet of the concept of revenge when i watch this film i think of the repercussions i think of the consequences i think of uh, the humanity between the person uh, you know performing revenge and the person receiving it like there's nothing that i don't feel literally about revenge when i watch this movie and Part of that is because of its, I would say, very, very gory violence, which is done in, I think, a very actually purposeful way. Like, it is disgusting in certain parts. Literally, you see at one point somebody get their balls broken with, a, with a wrench. Um, <laughs> it's a tough day at the office, man. Oh, yeah. yeah um, and I I mean, you see it. <laughs> it's see if it. not off camera. He is wearing whitey tighties, though, so it's you don't see actual skin. But anyway... <laughs> um, but that's just one little thing that happens in this movie. and But that's what makes me, I think, appreciate this movie even more because – uh, what it's about, just to kind of explain a little bit, because I'm guessing a lot of people maybe have not seen it yet. It's kind of flown under the radar. It's from 2010. Um, it's about a man's fiance is brutally murdered one night by a, a random psychopath, you know, who's played by a uh, Chosting Mink or whatever his name is from Old Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Lucy also right? And Lucy, right? correct. Yeah. Um, he plays the kind of crazy, deranged psychopath who's literally just the vagabond that you know pulls over and says, "Can I help you?" And you know, and she says, "No." And he's got a
1: vagabond about him
2: yeah he doesn't take no for an answer and he murders her and whatnot and so it's just one of those kind of uh fact of life crimes and so uh her fiance is this man who's like a a you know, it's not FBI. A secret agent in some agency in uh, South Korea, and so of course he's devastated when he finds this out. And he takes a two week leave of absence from work. <laughs> he literally said that's all he needs to his boss, and he um, he starts to hunt down this man. And first he's literally just cycling through random uh, criminals that have been wanted just to see if that matches up with who it was. It doesn't matter whether it is him or not. He'll still exact revenge on them because they deserve it in his head as far as they've also done horrible things and whatever but then this is kind of a two and a half hour film so it's kind of a long film but it also has two distinct halves he finds this man the psychopath about i would say even before halfway through the film and what he does is he actually he imparts the uh, gps tracking device in him and lets him go without the man remembering, like, who he was or whatever. Because then he's actually not just going to kill him. He's going to play cat and mouse with him until the man can take it no more. Like, he literally just keeps showing up out of nowhere, beating the shit out of him, you know, because... (laughs) Scampering off into the night. (laughs) Pretty much. But it's also done with a purpose, because what's interesting is if the man is, uh, let's say... um, there's one scene when the deranged psychopath played by uh, Josie Mink um, is like hurting a male character, He, because that's the other thing, he can listen to what the guy is doing, he doesn't step in and stop him, but the minute he tries to hurt another female, like helpless female, he comes back in, he like kind of rescues her in a way, and you know, puts an end to it or whatever, and he just kind of keep do- do- doing this because he knows there's no other real way to get to this guy, who's obviously a psychopath other than to just keep fucking with him and what I love about the ending, which I won't even really spoil is that it's one of those perfect revenge films that it's the opposite of cathartic you know this guy goes on this journey to try to get whatever revenge means to him he literally says the phrase true revenge um and he, i will say this his ending is very unsatisfactory because he realizes that that's probably not obtainable and it ends in one of the most brutally and emotionally devastating ways i've ever seen a film end it's it's just fantastic and uh you guys really should check it out it's, i don't think i've seen a film completely dive in what revenge would look like in real life because that's the other thing is a lot of these films like leon the professional Mm -hmm. or uh, john wick it does really kind of make revenge seem like vigilantism you know like something that we should root for in a sense so look at v for vendetta yeah Yeah. but this is like if you watch this and you know the reason why it's called i saw the devil is because that's probably something that the deranged psychopath is thinking not him because at the end of the day if you're gonna exact revenge on a psychopath you're gonna become that psychopath too. And, and
1: <laughs> the devil came and tied me up and smashed my balls with a wrench and ran away. No, he got a fate much worse than balls. Oh God! Um,
2: mm. Yeah, he. Yeah, I've never seen that done with a pulley before. Anyway, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's one of those films that truly, <laughs> truly makes me think. Uh, everything that revenge would entail, especially if it was done in real life, and how it's not this glamorous Hollywood kind of like, yeah, let's play ACDC and go shoot some people type, you know, shit. So that's why I I absolutely love it. Not to mention, despite the fact that it is brutally violent, it is also, and I'm not kidding, one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen uh, as far as the cinematography and the lighting. Like, it makes you not want to look away because you might miss uh, one of just the most gorgeous shots scene after scene. So it's really got a lot of stuff going for it.
0: I do know that I'm, I'm a little not concerned, uh, but I'm concerned about the, uh, the main character from that film's, uh, American film career. Cause I, I do know that he, uh, played the sad, Rendition of the T one thousand in the Terminator Genesis film from earlier this year. Really? Oh, that's so sad. I hopefully know he gets that. another chance because that's too bad. Yeah, I have
2: to say he's very good in this film. Obviously yeah. you kind of walk away remembering uh Chosey Ming's performance because mm-hmm. he's got the more showy performance, and he really is like if you like him in an old boy. This is in my opinion his definitive performance because he he's so creepy, but in this most pathetic way. He he's a man that is not your average psychopath in the sense that he's not cool and collected and calculated he's just a guy who literally he hates anything that he's not whether it's women the elderly <laughs> he, he has road rage like he's just the most petulant uh psychopath i've seen on cinema and in some but yet very effectively creepy like you can understand why people unfortunately fall prey to him because you just if you're next to him you're not going to disobey him in a sense so hmm. it's, it's very effective performance by both of them
0: it's on my list now. I'd like
2: to see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. So let's uh, end this uh, top six episode with Caroline's number one. Well, this will be a short little thing because it's a movie that's been mentioned before. Ooh. It is a movie called Kill Bill.
4: Yeah. Volume
2: one and two. And you know, she said, I feel like this is going to be mentioned a lot, so I won't say very much about it. Other than it wins all the points for somehow managing to make the line, wiggle your big toes, thou freaking badass, the bride for the wind. So mm. that was that was her uh, number one, and I think that's obviously a pretty great choice. Just, uh, Toussaint mentioned it, right? Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it, so yeah, it's been showing up a lot. Crickets from me. Sorry, guys. Oh, a failure. That's okay.
0: You yeah. gotta see it. Can I still come back next week or not?
2: Maybe. Maybe. Call me. <laughs>
0: Speaking of next week, uh, our next episode, which will be episode number thirty-two, will be finally doing another new movie. It honestly feels like it's been a while since we got to the theater and reviewed a. A new film for the show, but we're going to do it uh, this coming week. We're going to be talking about the uh, new film, Black Mass, starring Johnny Depp. Yeah. A film about uh, Whitey... Whitey... Bulger? Bulger? Sure. Whitey Bo- Whitenson? I think. Bulger? Bulger. Yeah. what did you say? I
1: said Whitey Whitenson.
0: Whitey Whitenson. Yeah. Yeah, this is... <laughs> okay. I, 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 even if it's That's not... racist. A, <laughs> it, <laughs> what? Well, even if it's not a good film, and, and there's a chance it's going to not be uh, that great... I'm finally glad to see Johnny Depp, at least on the surface...
2: Not playing an animal, yes. a dead person, I, or a...
0: <laughs> or a character of himself. I feel like this is finally a step in the right direction for him towards playing a actual person or an actual Seems character again. bringing
2: out the whole uh, Hunter Thompson routine, you know, as far as, like, a more... No. In that movie, obviously, it's much more surreal, so it's got its affectations. But as far as playing a more uh, recognizable human being...
0: Yeah. I I just, for the most part, am happy to see him coming back to a, a real performance again. And it may not be good, but I I like the effort. Uh, it's uh, no Mordecai, probably, but, you know, something. Um, a lot of other uh, people who are going to be in this film that are pretty popular and hot right now, like Benedict Cumberbatch and Joel Edgerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel Edgerton from The Gift, as we mentioned uh, earlier Both in the episode.
2: directing and acting abilities there.
0: Yeah, and so uh, hopefully good things coming from him, and hopefully good things from all of them. in mm-hmm. this uh, film, as we'll be discussing that next week on episode 32, if you did like this top six episode uh, and you wanted to uh, give your own top six list, as I mentioned earlier, you can send that on to FilmTankShow at gmail.com. Also, uh, if you have a idea for our next top six episode, we're we're open because we like doing these ep- episodes. They're they're a lot of fun to put together and they're a lot of fun to do. Is uh, I think we're three for three so far on uh, these being fun uh, good episode. So yeah. um, send that along to us and we'd love to consider it for our next top six episode, which uh, probably will be um, probably a little bit towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm uh and if you also want to find all of our episodes you can do that on filmtankshow.com also on itunes and again stitcher which we're Yay. hopefully still on at this we point are, as of right now oh man! well we'll see how long that lasts <laughs> but uh, as of right now you can find us on there uh, at film tank show and uh, as always you can get a hold of us on facebook twitter and on instagram at film tank show so from Nick Cheney, Toussaint, Egan, uh, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to this top six episode, and we'll uh, catch up with you next week on episode 32 of Film Tank.
2: Okay, Toussaint, do the B speech again. No. <laughs>